is Thursday, March 8th, 2018, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On today's episode, Rick and I are taking a look at some wrestling news, we're talking about the Road to WrestleMania, New Japan Cup, and of course your full Ring of Honor 16th anniversary show, and a very special interview with our new friend Shane Taylor of Ring of Honor. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo, but in the 214, they call me a Bullet Club Mark. I am joined as always alongside my tag team partner, the Keith Lee to my Shane Taylor, Huckleberry number one, RBV, Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me, it's that R to the B to the V, Rick Vicker here, and what a week we have, man, we've got... We've got New Japan. We've got Bullet Club. We've got Ring of Honor. And I guess we're, we're still on the road to WrestleMania. I'm ready to dive on in, man. I, I'm right there with you, man. And you made a comment inside uh, Acer's thread last night on in the Hameen Media Group. Uh, shout out once again to Acer for a killer live thread that it, it's starting to feel like Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling are more and more worth your money and WWE is is losing your business slowly. They're lo- I, Am I turning you, Rick? No, I, you know what it was? It's I cannot re- recall a time that I have been less excited for the WWE product, especially on the road to WrestleMania. And last night, sitting there, uh, obviously, I always I always enjoy the live chat threads. You know, we make our own entertainment there. But you know, watching what they're giving us on television. Yeah, I'm just sitting there contemplating, you know, like, is it really worth my, my time and my dime to invest in a WWE network anymore when you've got other tremendous options out there, such as New Japan World and, and now the Honor Club? Yeah, I, it's, you know, it's hey, it's it's a sm- I mean, none, it's not like that any of them are, you know, really breaking the bank. But, you know. You start forking out money here, there, and there, and and then you, you know, where do you delegate your time to, you know, to enjoy each of those platforms? You know, WWE squeezing their way out of the, out of the market there. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because you know I've I've been, I've noticed within the last couple of weeks that I've been complaining a lot. We're supposed to be on the road to WrestleMania. We're supposed to be on the road to WrestleMania. Well, obviously, this Monday on Raw, they 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 finally started the road to WrestleMania now that we're, you know, about three and a half weeks out from the show. But one thing that it has done, my lack of interest in the road to WrestleMania has led to my interest in the road to 16th anniversary in the road to the new Japan cup in the road to Supercard of honor. Like there's all these other shows that are on the road to WrestleMania that I'm far more excited about than I am WrestleMania itself. Well, you know the the problem is WWE. They, they get caught up in their own their own hype with their their need to you know to really drive home these buzzwords, and and in doing so, Road to WrestleMania has essentially just become a buzzword and not a way of business for them. You know, we used to go back. You know, a lot of people were blaming us on oh, you know, because we've got an elimination chamber, we have a fast lane. I don't necessarily think that's the problem. You know, going back to the Attitude Era. And maybe if you really want to stretch it, you know, we did have Saturday Night Main events before that, but they had a big they had a big event in between the Rumble and Mania. The difference was 
that night of the Rumble, they started programs and, you know, that continued over the course of the two months. Now it's treated as, okay, we got Rumble. Now let's kind of go to a cruise control, get ourselves to these February, early March events, and then we'll flick, then we'll try to flick the switch. And, you know, in the backfire is we've got four or five weeks where they pretty much come out and tell the fans, you know what, we are on cruise control. You really don't have to care. And then they go into, hey, we've got this entire Ronda Rousey, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, Kurt Angle storyline. It all happened really within a matter of 48 hours because they had to just jam it all in there to kickstart the program. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit absurd. So here's what we're going to do on the show today. Uh, this week, Rick and I are not really going to have time to do a news show because today we have to cover the road to WrestleMania. We've got to get your ring of honor 16th anniversary hype in. And then over the weekend, we've got the 16th anniversary review. We've got the fast lane preview. And then Monday in the locker room, we're going to be doing the fast lane review. So we do have a couple of news and notes that we wanted to throw in here at the beginning of the show, just to kind of give our thoughts on a couple of things that's going on here. Uh, let, let's start with, Hands down, the biggest story in professional wrestling in 2018. Rick, are you ready for Chicago? Are you ready to be all in? Hey, hey the news broke yesterday. The internet was buzzing. Uh, you know, people are already making travel plans. They're, you know, they're reaching out to, to some of the, you know, the wrestling circles. You know, who's going to meet up? Where's the party going to be? Hey, man, the, the, the hype is there already, and we are, I mean, hell, what, what are we, seven months still away? Yeah. Six, seven months? Um, I will tell you this. If you plan on going to this show, book your hotels now because they are going fast. I already booked a room in Chicago as close as I can possibly get to this damn place. It's, it's going to be one of them shows, man. If, if you plan on going... Make your arrangements now because as soon as people realize, hey, there's a lot of people coming to Chicago on this day, prices are going to go through the where, roof. Where did you end up booking it? Um, I, I don't remember the name of the hotel. I booked it through uh, Expedia.com. I'll get you that information off air. I don't I don't want stalkers showing up at my hotel room. Well, that's, I was just curious because, uh, because I know uh, there's been quite a bit of buzz going over in the uh, Hameen Media Discussion Group. Uh, about a place with it's still relatively cheap. They haven't been affected by. Hey, we've got this event going on. You know, why are all these people suddenly booking uh, six, seven months out for you know early September? And I think you know they've got rooms going right now for eighty-eight bucks a night. You know, plus your your extra charges there. Uh, yeah, that that is the hotel that I am at. Okay, so it's the closest one, and this is where is this arena? I knew you in were proximity to the actual city limits. I, I guess I um, it, to be honest, I'm not sure. I've never been to this arena. Uh, it, I believe this is a fairly new arena inside of Chicago. I believe it's only been open since 2006. I want to say, um, let me pull up, uh, the, the fire breathing Twitter machine as bubble Ray Dudley would say here. Well, you know, I do want to bring up, uh, back back when this news first broke and we were looking at arenas in the area and you were uh, just just so arrogantly shooting down my suggestions, I suggested this arena and you told me that there's no way. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I surely did. Uh, I, I, just, I didn't think that it was going to be big enough. 
Well, it looks like they're like they're going to get it to work here. You know how hard it is to search this fucking show when they call it all in. You type all in into Google and you know how much fucking shit shows up. God damn it. Talk about terrible marketing. It's the Sears Center Arena. Well, anyway, I, I, just, I assumed it was maybe like more in a suburb. Because the last time I looked at it, yes, it was uh, it was when we were looking at locations around Chicago that could potentially you know, host such an event for them. Now, it's, uh, it's pretty much in the northern part of Chicago. Looks like it's up kind of by uh, in in like the Wrigleyville area. Oh, there we go. Then hey, uh, a great park, the part you want to be in if you are going to. Yeah, to yeah, Chicago. it's 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 uh, definitely uh, the nicer part of Chicago. That's that's for sure. It's right around that two ninety four I ninety kind of range. If you're if you're familiar with Chicago and the interstates running through there, um, I've never been there. Uh, from what I've heard, it's a, a fairly nice arena. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine has already picked it up and ran an article on this show. This is going to be a big show, man. Going to be a big show. I'm excited. So let's talk about uh, the Jonathan Coachman situation a little bit. I know you have some opinions, and and I very much so uh, share those opinions uh, re- regarding the uh, sexual harassment allegations against one Mr. Jonathan Coachman that broke uh, within the last 48 hours here. Well, you know, I think it's, you know, one thing, you know, as wrestling fans, we really jump on because we see one of our own is mentioned in there. Uh, Jonathan Coachman is just one of many that are listed in this potential suit, uh, listed in these allegations, if you will, by one uh, Adrian Lawrence. Uh, this is one of those cases, you know, we... I don't know. Do you think society's becoming a little numb to this? It seems like every other day we're getting, you know, the hashtag me too agenda being kind of presented to us. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to say shove down our throats. Uh, actually, I know pun intended, I guess there, but uh, because you know, this, I mean, in most cases, this is a very serious issue. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those uh, issues, though, in, in re- people that have actually read the article versus people that are just social justice well, warriors and gonna, are going to be outraged by anything. That's what I was going to ask you. You know, immediately a headline, you go right to, you know, right to, oh, I, I guess they're guilty, you know, and, you know, either you know, the finger pointing, the jokes, they immediately begin. You dive into, you know, what her legal team has presented here. This is probably the biggest joke and mockery of the hashtag me too that we have seen yet. Yeah. So basically he texts this chick, asks her what kind of music she likes. She texts him back and says, I have a boyfriend. He stops texting her and that's sexual harassment. Well, her, her accusations claim that, you know, he reached out to her through an email initially and said, you know, welcome, welcome aboard. If you need anything, hey, feel free to look look to me as a mentor. I'd be glad to help you out. Learn the ropes, kid. So they exchanged phone numbers, and then texting began. In her claims, uh, it, it began professional, but then he asked, began to ask, you know, what you know about some interests. What kind of music are you into? She, uh, she, in her claims, it became, it was very unnerving. 
Uh, she had heard rumors that that was kind of his M.O. into trying to make advancements. So that she, she let him know that she had a boyfriend. Then she was shocked that suddenly he didn't want to be her mentor anymore. And I guess that offended her and, and deeply emotionally scarred her that she, he would now be included in, you know, in her filing against ESPN. And you go through the rest of what they have actually drawn up here. It doesn't really seem as anyone has actually done anything to her. It's that she has heard. It's like third-party hearsay. And then she's trying to twist that in a way where it made her feel extremely uncomfortable in the workplace. Yeah, it, it sounds kind of like uh, the, the, the movie Halloween to me. You know, where, where, where people build it up that, wow, this is a really scary movie. And then you see the movie, and it's really not that scary. But you have it in your mind, this is going to be a scary movie. And it's almost like, you know, the, the, the harassment that she talked herself into is way more than the harassment that actually happened here. Yeah, I, I think this is a complete joke. Uh, and, you know, the sad part about this is she's probably just going to get a massive buyout just to go away to drop this thing. Uh, when really when when individuals like her are going to to use hashtag me to make a mockery essentially of individuals who have actually, you know, suffered sex, you know, sexual harassment or, you know, even more than that, you know, of cases of rape. She's making a complete mockery of this. I mean, they should turn this on her. I, I don't. I don't know. Counter sue. There should be some kind of legal ramifications to hold her accountable for a completely just being like one of the biggest douchebags in the universe. When it comes to uh, diluting the point, if you want a very very good example of this, uh, uh, one of my favorite musical artists of all time, Ice T, actually recorded a song about this, and it's called "No Lives Matter." by his band Body Count, and he goes off on a rant about just diluting the point. It's fantastic. Give that a listen. Uh, so let's. You know I am going to check that out. I'm uh, usually not a big Ice-T guy, but, hey, but I, I, really, I really love the name, No Lives Matter, because I always I use that all the time. Like, guess what? No one is special. Yeah. You, you, in a big scheme of things, you really mean nothing to existence. Yep, yep. Uh, let's, so let's talk about uh, your, your boy, Sammy Callahan, versus... Everyone, everyone, everyone. Sammy uh, seems like he has really worked himself into a shoot over this thing, man. Sammy is, uh, he he seems like he's uh, kind of uh, fed up with the social media world, to put it nicely. Once again, we were on this story when it happened, and everybody was like, what's the big freaking deal? As soon as everybody saw it, now everybody knows what the big freaking deal was. And I think Sammy and Edwards have handled this thing just masterfully. Granted, they had a couple of months to come up with exactly what they were going to do. But this thing is the angle that's being developed out of this terrible accident has been fantastic. But Sammy seems like he is right on the borderline of just telling everybody. Well, I guess he did actually on Twitter last night. Hashtag kiss my ass. Hey, man, I absolutely love it. You know, this goes back to conversations we had. How can kayfabe still exist in 2018? This is it right here. You blur those lines. You use 
Just little use those bits of reality. Keep keep your character going. Don't give in to what everyone else is doing. Don't become a total mark. Stay true to your craft, and you're going to get a big payoff here. And we're seeing this. And these guys, like you said, a terrible accident is going to turn into a huge payday and a great moment for these two. Yeah, it's it's just <coughs> absurd to me some of the reaction that I am seeing online to this thing. And it's like people are pissed off that these guys are working. Like some of the insiders are seriously pissed off that they're turning this into an angle. And it's like, this is making the best of a bad situation. What what the fuck do you expect them to do? Just quit wrestling all of a sudden? Fuck you. This, this is bringing back some intrigue to professional wrestling. Just because they're not pandering to your pathetic Mark ass over there. It's no reason to get upset. And I, you know, I'm really sorry. If this does upset you, you need to hand in your fandom card. You need to, you need to get the hell out of here. Seriously, there's no room for you man. being just, offended by everything. Uh, what, are, what are we getting here? I, I, I I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't seen too many, you know, people going overboard in the direction you're saying, I, I, what are we talking about? Like the, uh, the, the socialist snow take, snowflake patrol and like your satins and stuff like that? or Yeah, and even some of like the real wrestling fans that I like follow on Twitter and stuff are just like, I can't believe you guys are turning this into an angle. It's like, what the fuck do you think they're supposed to do here? Uh, Sammy Callahan, let me uh, pull up the uh, Callahan Death Machine Twitter account. Well, I would say while, while you're pulling his up there, you know, I've got my pop of the week and it has to do with this, this exact instance we're talking about. Hey, I popped big time. Hurricane Helms over at ShaneHelms.com. Dude, he pre-tweeted out, dude, this is great, man. My dude, at Sammy Callahan, is a damn good pro wrestler. He's effing terrible at baseball, but he's a damn good pro wrestler. Uh, I love that. I popped big one, big for that one. Uh, so Sammy Callahan has this new shirt available at uh, his uh, pro wrestling tease store that has a picture of Eddie Edwards. <clears throat> From the uh, hospital with a bunch of gauze on his eye and blood running down his face. And it says, I broke Eddie Eddie's face with a baseball bat. And Sammy Callahan is selling this as a shirt. And then he puts up a picture of the bat. And he says, this is stupid. I'm officially done with this garbage. If any professionals or fans have a problem with my quote unquote work, please look at my overbooked schedule and come find me. Just know I won't be alone. Hashtag unsafe. Hashtag I ain't fake. Hashtag kiss my ass. Like he dude, is seriously is irritated dude. by this shit. Just no, like, I, I don't, like take the no, fucking joke. Is, no, I no, I I feel like he's like, just let us work. Just let no. me let us do our fucking thing. Just I shut the fuck up it. and let us work. He wants all these people doing it because all it's doing is what he keeps going back to is making the bank account go up. Hey, I absolutely love this. I broke Eddie's face with a baseball bat. It's freaking <laughs> great. The yeah, image is, the what image do you is expect incredible. from Sammy? He's a heel. Uh, people that would be upset over this, uh, get with get with it. Get with business because both Sammy and Eddie, they are laughing all the way to the bank right now. Think of how many people are going to pay money to see Eddie Edwards finally get his hands on Sammy Callahan. 
That's and, and if you're impact wrestling, that's the one fucking thing you need is people paying money to actually watch your product. I was just going to say, you know, hopefully impact is able to, to get this to happen for them. Uh, hopefully everything works out because whoever gets their hands on this, it's going to be gold. And I think there's two in the running for this thing. Uh, first and foremost, you got to believe it's going to happen in an impact ring. But I, you know, going back to our open here, you know, the Bullet Club would love to get this on the show in Chicago. Oh, yeah, that would be a hot program for uh, for uh, All In, that's for sure. Uh, let's stick inside of uh, the Impact theme a little bit. Uh, we are hearing reports, Rick. I cannot believe this. I just cannot believe this. This report has to be wrong. Please, for the love of God and all things that are holy, let this report be wrong. Alberto Del Rio met with Vince McMahon. Did you see this story? I did. It, it appears that he was actually at HQ uh, doing some work on a Rey Mysterio project, uh, maybe something for the network or a or some type of documentary release. He was in there uh, doing some work on that. And while he was there, he happened to take a meeting with one Vince McMahon. I, I think you know what the sheets were really pointing out. What's interesting about that is that it's typically Triple H that handles any of you know the talent relation meetings. Uh, but we all know that Vince, he's always been very high on El Patron, Del Rio, whatever you want to call him now. Uh, he's always been high on him. He's always seen him as a marketable guy that, that could you know profit the company. Yeah, you know, at this point, and I'm going to put aside all of his personal life issues that have become public, all of that drama, all that soap opera-esque, I guess, bull crap that we've seen from him, or shenanigans that we've seen from him, I would put that all aside and just really look at the talent. I don't see what what's the upside. I, I don't see any ad, you know, advantage, any reasoning to really bring him back into the fold. Well, I, want the, I wanted to bring this up here because – I'm more intrigued. What would this do to Impact? I, it's not like Impact's roster has very many big names that people will pay to see whatsoever. Now, we both agree Impact has been paying El Patron way too much money. But here's the thing. They put all their stock in El Patron. I, they were in the El Patron business there for a while. What do you make of this run of if, if this is it... If this has been the El Patron run in, in Impact Wrestling, this thing has been a colossal failure that's cost a lot of people their freaking jobs. And he's just going to go back to WWE? What does that do to Impact? Well, I, I actually just think, and I, I almost, you know, with this current regime, with Impact Wrestling, I don't know if so much of it was their decision, if they really want to be in bed with El Patron, or if it was something they inherited when you know they took they took over. Well, I think El Patron it, goes back about what two regimes now. Is it was it before Jared or was it Jared that actually got him locked down? That's when they really. I, I think it was Jared. That's when they really started making that push, you know, because because Pritchard was there and they had uh, it, it was him and Bobby Roode. They had they had the two they had the global champion and the Impact champion going on and they had the unification match. So I think this might be something that they just have had to absorb 
And you're right, man. He's not just like the money, but all the perks that come along with, with his deal. This might be a blessing in disguise for them to, you know, to cut ties and have the freedom to use, to use what they were giving him to move in a different direction. I don't know what the relationship is with uh, Alberto El Patron and one Mr. Billy Corgan. But if I am Billy Corgan and I can get Alberto El Patron versus Nick Aldis for the NWA heavyweight title, I am absolutely doing that match. Well, and I guess in that, though, you know, you're just paying a one-off. You're not really locking someone down to a long-term deal, which Impact has with him. Well, that well, that would be the thing. I don't know what the relationship is between Billy Corgan and Alberto El Patron, but I mean, I could see for the NWA, I could see Billy Corgan building around Alberto El Patron and Nick Aldis and that program as far as trying to build the company around them. I think he would be good in that role if he could keep his shit together. But as far as in a WWE context... I just I don't even see a place for Alberto. I think I I would agree with you there. You know, if he could go to the NWA, I think he would he would maybe be a decent represent you know representative for what you know what they're trying to do right now. It's not like you know he they're constantly touring with their own events. You kind of just have a freelance champ who's out there kind of touring the world. People do recognize Patron, a recognizable face across. You know, and you get outside of like the United States, you know, he's recognizable on some different platforms as well. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that would be a great business move for Billy Corgan. Well, we do know that he that Patron has agreed he will be making an appearance, an upcoming appearance with Triple A. Uh, so they have, I guess, they've mended some fences because in recent, you know, over the last year or so, uh, there's been some bad blood brewing there. Uh, so you know, it comes down to. You know, never say never in wrestling. The price is right. They're going to get a deal done. I, w- I will say Alberto must be one hell of a businessman because if he gets out of that impact deal with what they paid him and all the perks they paid him, it almost feels like he just robbed impact wrestling. What? And I don't you know. Really, sometimes in business, you just have to know when to cut those ties. Yes, they made the investment. We look at their numbers every week. I mean, it took a, a terrible accident and a baseball bat mishap to actually move their numbers where we haven't seen Patron be able to, you know, nudge them at all. Yeah. I mean, they have their fix. They have their fixed viewership. There is that group of 350,000 people that because wrestling is on, is they're going to watch professional wrestling. You know, to me there, they could, you go back to the formula that ECW Paul Heyman used early on, uh, in of course, ECW back when they were even Eastern championship wrestling is it's okay to bring in a few of those big names, but you don't really want to overpay. They used Jimmy Snuka. They put the television championship on him. That was a familiar name. People, oh, Snuka, I remember him. You can relate to him. They tune in, but then they would use that as a jumping off point to introduce their new young talent and characters. They need something along those lines, and I guess you do have that a little bit with Patron, but but you still have him featured in your main event, and you're overpaying him. you got to downgrade a little bit and then really hope that you get something like you get an angle like Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards that is so hot that it's grabbing attention. It's working, you know, the smarts, the marks and everything in between that starts pulling eyes you know, towards your product. Uh, let, let's stay uh, still sort of inside of the impact universe. Uh, thank you, Ruby Hardy, 
Thank you, Ruby Hardy, for uh, uh, your your Twitter feed. That was absolutely tremendous. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Brother Nero. It seems as though Jeff Hardy has been cleared to return to action by his doctors, uh, still waiting on WWE clearance. Of course, we know that can be uh, uh, quite tormented. Uh, but now we also are seeing that we are indeed going to get the ultimate deletion from the Hardy compound as uh, Matt Hardy is going to take on Bray Wyatt. But I'm hearing that this might be on Raw instead of at WrestleMania, which makes zero sense to me whatsoever. But I think everybody kind of expects that's going to be the, the, the grand return of Brother Nero whenever we get the ultimate deletion. So... Where do you? What do you want here? Uh, are we gonna get Jeff Hardy back? Is Jeff Hardy gonna go to SmackDown and just stay the fuck away from this, or is Brother Nero going to show up for for the Ultimate Deletion, and then the Broken Hardys go on to Mania to challenge the Bar? What? Where do you want to go with this? Well, thing, I was Rick? gonna say, I I think we was in a private conversation where we were just this, you know talking about the WrestleMania card and how it's shaping up. And, and I actually had the official card in front of me, and you were naming some matches, and it was like, whoa, whoa, they haven't officially announced this thing for WrestleMania. Everyone was just assuming that's the direction they were going in. And I believe it was it was either Alvarez or Meltzer said that they, they may be doing this on Raw instead of at WrestleMania. I mean, it, it fills TV time, that's for sure, but doesn't, this, doesn't it just seem like this would be at Mania? I, as, as close to Mania as we are at this point? I wonder if they're almost – I mean, we've seen them do this in the past. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is the Hollywood backlot brawl with Goldust and, and Piper uh, so many years ago. But maybe there is a, a concern that they don't want to take a match away from the actual arena, uh, especially with, you know, how big of an event it is now that you actually have. You know, and let's say this – I mean, it's a pretty – I you know – theatric match you know it's it's drawn out so i mean they could maybe give this thing 20 minutes that they don't want that live audience at wrestlemania falling asleep sitting on their thumbs for 20 minutes having to watch this thing on a tron that might be you know pretty difficult for most in that arena to be able to see so when uh, they, when I mean, do you do it then well i i would rather piss off a raw audience than piss off the wrestlemania audience but so do you do it on the go home? Well, then you get into though. I mean, or you know, what is your, what's the next step here? Yeah, that's why I mean, I'm, I, I mean, we're what three episodes of Raw away from Mania. Like, if you're gonna do it on an episode of Raw, where do you do it? We're we're exactly one month away from WrestleMania. Okay, so four episodes of Raw. Well, then you know again. You know, there has been that rumor if he's ready to go and you do have Brother Nero back with with Woken, Broken, Joken, you know, they you would assume, you know, they would be the perfect contenders for the the Raw Tag Team Championship. I mean, you almost have a year long story with that. You could go back to that. It was the Hardy's debut where you could, you know, the bars can argue they weren't prepared and they had their championship stolen from them. By Team Extreme version, the Hardys. See, and here we maybe, go. Maybe there's something else going on. Or, or do you save this thing for WrestleMania? I think no matter where you have it, one of the big payoffs is that we are going to see the emergence of brother Nero. Uh, I, I am curious how they actually present him this time around. 
as opposed to how we saw the birth of him through the impact TNA incarnation of the character. Uh, then again, you know, there's in the whole, the whole point of going to the compound is, to, is, is, is of a cleansing. So will there be something there for Bray Wyatt? You know, will his tortured soul be cleansed or will he be morphosized into something else? Oh God, if we throw Bray Wyatt into the lake of reincarnation, what in the hell is going to come out? Husky Harris? Well, I don't, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, will this, I mean, could this be one of those, I, I don't know, like baptismal ceremonies or. I don't know. I think this is going to be I, weird. Or, oh, damn it. What is it when the, uh, the priest come in? An exorcism? Is it going to be like an exorcism where, where they actually pull Sister Abigail from his tortured soul? Oh uh, it's it's going to be it's I mean they could go a number of directions here. I'm actually kind of intrigued with it. And in where does it fit? I I think you know it they have to be very careful. It's kind of like a double-edged sword here. You know for the for the home viewers and what if if they do pull this on raw immediately it's going to be like well what the hell man this should have been a WrestleMania moment. This should have been something WrestleMania. But if they hold off there, they're going to get a backlash. They're going to hear all the reports. The fans hated it. They couldn't see it. They had to sit there for 20 minutes with nothing going on in the arena. Yeah. Man, I don't I don't even know what the best uh, approach here is. Would you air it all together? Or would you do like Impact did with the first couple of deletions and break it up into segments and air it throughout the show? I would almost be more, you know what? They are having so hard of a time retaining any viewership. I mean, it's almost like smart business would be to break this thing up, wouldn't it? I would think so. I think I would break it up and air it completely throughout the show. Well, I I know we're actually going to get into Road to WrestleMania talk. And that's the number one complaint going, you know, coming out of this week is they, they, they do this all the time, but they've been getting away from it a little bit and it makes the show so much enjoyable. But this week they went back hardcore to that freaking segment by segment block booking. Yeah, yeah, it became uh, uh, Saturday Night Live wrestling style. And they've been doing that in the past. They finally start getting away from it. You had certain things running throughout. You had themes running throughout the show, or running extended segments. But this week it was okay. You're slotted here. You're slotted here. You're slotted here. It's over. Move on. Forget about it. And then you know, and you go back to that variety show style. Well, by the time. You know, Rhonda's getting blamed for another decline in ratings. Well, she was done after the first half hour. There's no reason. That's what you tuned in for. If you're a crossover, you're a throwback, you're whatever, you came to see what's going on with Rousey, then you're done. You, you know it. They're not hyping anything else for the rest of the show for you. Uh, one, one more thing of uh, news kind of notes here, because uh, I think we're of differing opinions here. Uh, the potential for 205 live tag titles. Uh, I, I, of course, am in the uh, hashtag no more belts business, but uh, I, you do make a, a, a good case for 205 live tag titles. I just don't want any more belts, but go ahead and state your piece. I understand where you're coming from. You know, it just it devalues everything else you have when there's so so many championships floating around. Yep. Uh, but, you know, for me, this this is a bit different. And especially if, you know, we've seen 205, they're making a shift more towards an NXT style. 
uh, of just e- even just in-ring and overall presentation of the product. They're apparently they're pulling it away from Raw, so it's not like we're going to have that crossover. It is now seems to be standing alone as its own entity. They're hitting the reset button. They they're going back to to the ground floor. They're going to rebuild it up with the things that originally had people excited about the potential for the cruiserweight division. You know, they're out. They're looking at other talents to bring in from the other shows. How can how can they bolster their roster? And I especially think too. If this Fox deal goes through, we are going to see a drastic change in how this brand split works. I'm not, I'm not going to fully jump in and say it goes away, but it's going to change drastically. It's not going to be what we know it is today. And we're going to have, you know, as we said, they're going to need more programming hours to fill, but the prime slots are going to be uh, severely shaved down just for those very few top superstars. You know, adding more gold, more reason to bring people to, to 205, to the cruiserweight division, very well could save save some jobs. Oh, I agree. I agree with everything that you're saying. I just I I look at the my my potential WrestleMania card, and I just know there's already nine championships on that show. Okay, so this goes down to this WrestleMania is is it's 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 its own over here. Uh, I'm okay with maybe sending the singles championship from the cruiserweight division there. You don't have to have across all of your brands. Like we don't have the NXT championship and the NXT women and the NXT tag at WrestleMania. You don't need to have all, all those at WrestleMania. I think what they really want to do is where some people really have a hard time separating like the development NXT from NXT, its own brand. Uh, What they're trying to do here with 205 is that same thing is saying, Hey, you know what? 205 can stand alone. It's not, you know, this novelty act that you see on Raw anymore. It's not tied in with the red and blue. It's its own brand right now. So you don't need to have all their championships on the line at, at WrestleMania. Maybe you get to the point where you don't even have the cruiserweight championship on the line at, at you know, WrestleMania 35. Uh, he, here's how I, the only way I will agree to 205 live tag titles. You, I have a couple of conditions because, I, like I said, you make a very good point. And I think it's a very valid point, but here are my conditions. All right. My conditions. All right. Number one, we are going to unify the main roster tag titles. So you get the Usos or the bar. One of them is going to be the champs and one of them's not. We, we unify those titles at WrestleMania. Then I'm okay with it. Then I'm okay with it. We just have to replace one title with another title. And, and, and let's go back to calling them junior heavyweights because I, I fucking hate this 205 I, live shit. With, with you, I am completely on that. Uh, 205 live, I know where they liked it. It's kind of got that little ring to it. Uh, quit treating it, but it, it makes it sound cheap and like a novelty. Go to Cruiserweight. Uh, I am more with you where, you know, I'd like to see one. So I'd like to see one set of championships across Raw and SmackDown. Hey, Fox deal goes through again. You know, if we were talking about, we are going to see that. I don't think there's going to be any room for a universal and a WWE champion running around on a two-hour Raw when SmackDown is going to obviously become a, a second-grade program. But but anyway, you know, then you present, like you were saying, though, you've got your WWE heavyweight tag championships and your WWE junior weight championships. Uh, which tag championships? Which do you? Which term do you prefer? 
Do you prefer the term junior heavyweight or light heavyweight? Because I know WWE at one time had a light heavyweight champion. Right. I, I think they went with the light heavyweight. And I think that was just a counter because the WCW at the time. Was yeah, they didn't want to call correct. it cruiserweight. Right. Right. I'm okay with either light or junior. Uh, I'm not real big on cruiser for whatever reason. The name just, I don't, I guess it's not terrible. Uh, I, I think that would be a great poll that we could get going over in the Hami Midi discussion group. I think I would go with light heavyweight just to, just to keep it separate from the New Japan junior heavyweights. But that's, yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, conundrum. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. So Rick, let's jump on the road to WrestleMania. So at least now we have some matches announced. We actually know what we can talk about now on the road to WrestleMania. Let's uh, let's go ahead and kick things off the way they kicked off Monday Night Raw. Of course, uh, the the Ronda Rousey, Kurt Angle, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H thing that was. Uh, we relegated ourselves that this is what we were getting here a couple of weeks ago. We're not going to complain about how, how good we could have made it. How do we grade them on this week's developments? I'm still going with an incomplete. Uh, I, I agreed with you. I, I made the commitment. We're not going to go back to what could have, should have. Uh, but living in the moment, living in reality, I am having a hard time finding anything appealing about what's being presented us presented to us. Man, I am going to struggle to get invested into this program. I understand, yes, it is going to be one of the marquee matchups. It's one of their huge selling points. It's what they're hoping is going to draw the, the crossover eyes, the throwbacks, the casuals. I will take it for what it is. It is going to be there. It's just not going to be for this fan. I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I could just kind of relay, you know, things that I've heard from people that are into this. You know, they... They like that Stephanie kind of got hers. I thought, you know, this is this is far too soon in this program to have anything going on here. Uh, there was holes even. Why did it go down? Why was Stephanie in that position? I, I thought the interaction with Triple H and Kurt Angle in the ring, it was very sloppy. I would expect so much more from two professionals as themselves. I just really wasn't buying this thing. It felt sloppy. It, I mean, like... All the components were there to make it good. It just it felt like the execution of it was sloppy to me. Um, I, I I knew right away when I first saw Stephanie. Oh, something's going down tonight because she had her her Sunday best on. Let's let's put it that way. She was 
dressed to the nines. She had her makeup all done. She had her hair all done. And it was like, oh, yeah, they're hoping that this is going to get some mainstream play. That's why she was dressed like that. That's why she looked like that. Um, I enjoyed uh, Rousey grabbing Stephanie by the hair. I enjoyed Rousey beating up Stephanie McMahon. You know, I, I always enjoy watching Stephanie McMahon get her ass kicked. I'm not sure that it was the best business. I think I would have kept them apart. I, I think that should have been the, the hook for Mania was watch Rousey finally get her hands on Stephanie McMahon. But now we, we kind of gave that away. So it, I don't know, man. It's it's just kind of there for me. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's just kind of there. Like, can we just get over with this? And so then we can move on and put Ronda into a real program. You know, it's, you know, one of the things that we've had an issue with is, is our questioning is for these crossover fans, for the casuals, the throwbacks that are coming in, they know who Rhonda is. They have a certain expectation of her. And even if that might be slightly tainted from the last few times we've seen her inside of any kind of ring where she was actually getting pummeled, that might be tainted. But there is still those expectations. There is that perception. You know, our biggest worry was that when they tune into wrestling, they're going to see her in this novelty gimmick act and immediately say to themselves, that's professional wrestling for you. This is just a sideshow circus yep. and, um, and be turned off to it. That w- that's, our, that's our standing. And I talked to a few, few of those individuals that kind of feel that same way. They said, well, it's still, it's still the circus of wrestling. On the flip of that, though, I was talking to our good friend, James Money MacGyver, who, you know, he's kind of my go-to MMA guy. I admittedly, I don't follow the sport. So when I do have questions, I go to him. He, he's right there on the pulse. He knows top to bottom what's going on from the different promotions to the different shows that they've got going on. He's, he's of the mindset that this is going to work for them, that the fans are going to be okay with that, that they just, you know, it's just about, Getting, they're going to tune in to see her, and I do, and I do get what he's saying a little bit there. Hopefully, you know, it's tune in for Ronda, you know, stick around for the talent, the other talent, for their moment to shine. I'm just wondering if it's going to be immediately. Well, that was a joke, and they're just going to brush off everything else. Yep, yep. That's that's pretty much where I stand with the whole thing, and and I think the issue with with money is, well, money. When I say money, I mean James MacGyver. Um, he is a UFC MMA fan. And so he wants this to work. And I think that he thinks very much like the WWE thinks that Ronda Rousey is a much bigger deal than what she really is in the eyes of the casual UFC fan. Well, I think even more so that not that he's just a huge MMA fan. It's also that he is a huge professional wrestling fan he wants both of his worlds to fit perfectly together yeah and i just i don't think that it's working i don't think it's working and in looking at the numbers i i mean i don't have the the hard ratings but i've seen the viewership numbers and the viewership numbers were pretty flat yet again but again though i i don't place all that blame on her because you only have you only have her out there for a segment there, and then it's over. Then there's nothing else to watch on that show for those viewers. Right. I, I, I don't put all the blame on her, but the, the thing is, they're not attracting. The viewership numbers are not even spiking. People are not tuning in for Ronda Rousey. It's just that the viewership is just staying flat. 
Well, I think what you, I mean, it, it would help. Like they run out the top of the show. There might be a good portion of those fans that you know at eight thirty, like, oh shit, I wanted to check that out. Well, it's already over with. Yeah. Yep. And, and another point I want to bring up when I was actually was also in a conversation with with MacGyver talking about, you know, he was like, people are foolish if they think she was going to come out and be at our A game right away. Because, you know, Rondo's getting a lot of flack for, I mean, the promos are terrible. You can tell she's a little bit awkward in there. Her cues are off. And I'm not buying at all, you know, this over portrayal of just a total mark. To me, that's just killing the killing the mood, ruining the vibe. No one's expecting her to come out right now and be the head of the class. She's not going to carry the division right now. Right now, yes, she is a special attraction. But here's the problem. When you're running her out there with for these long-winded promos, these long, you know, these 15, 20-minute segments, you're overexposing her weaknesses. They should be coming at us with short and sweet hits throughout the entire show involving her. Let her build up her momentum. Let her you know, begin, just begin to learn the business, what it takes to succeed out there in front of a live audience like that. This is a different beast than anything she's ever done before. And they are doing her no favors by these long shots and overexposing the holes in her game. There was one other big thing that they did on this show that really hurt Ronda Rousey that nobody is talking about for one reason or another. And we're going to talk about that in just a couple of minutes. I do have one question here for you. You know, as you said, you enjoyed and so many other people did enjoy, you know, Stephanie finally gets a, a little bit of her comeuppance. Well, Someone finally gets to put their hands on, you know, the the princess. Right. But now, but, but you know, the immediate argument, everyone that sees any logic in the story, you just gave away your big payoff at Mania. There's the interest building up. Stephanie was running, running, running. Now we're finally going to get this. Okay, but now the cat's out of the bag. It's already happened. So now to get some of that back, doesn't Stephanie have to somehow get a, a bit of revenge here against Ronda? I, I don't exactly know what that is. Are we going to see Ronda get physical with anyone else? I had a thought, hey, they've got a crew sitting there doing nothing. Could Stephanie like hire Absolution to try to go after Ronda, and then Ronda takes out two-on-one? Well, I'm sure this is going to lead to Stephanie's version of the corporation and it's going to lead to Stephanie basically exerting her authority to get other women against Ronda Rousey. I'm sure that's where it's going to go. Well, and, and we've already had, you know, some, some groundwork laid for that because when, uh, when Ronda was announced, everyone thought there was actual shoots that these ladies weren't happy. No, those were works that they were kind of putting her down. They were just laying the seeds here for something like this. And again, if they go that route, it's just a regurgitated, same old, same old situation with authority aligning themselves with all these people to take on take on our hero. See, and, and I'm of the thought where I have absolutely no use for the McMahon family on on screen at this point. So when I say I like Stephanie getting hers, I... Ronda Rousey could come out and just beat the shit out of Stephanie McMahon every week for the next five years. And I would never get tired of seeing Stephanie McMahon get hers. And then Shane McMahon could come out and AJ Styles could put him through every car window in a parking lot. And I would be okay with that. And then again, every week, Kevin Owens could headbutt Vincent Kennedy McMahon on SmackDown for the next five years, every week. I mean, I love watching the McMahons get their ass whipped. That's seriously, I, I don't care. 
I don't care. I'm so done with the McMahons. Every time they get their ass kicked, I'm hoping that they're being written off of TV. That is seriously my opinion of the McMahon family as characters on WWE programming right now. Don't get me wrong. I have much respect for everybody involved, but as far as their characters on screen right now, I have no use to see any McMahon on my TV. Uh, let's uh, move on to uh, somebody else I don't care if I ever see on my TV again, and that's Roman Reigns. Uh, He and Paul Heyman had a nice little exchange at the end of Raw there. I thought the Paul Heyman promo was at least twice as long as it really needed to be. Uh, This show really suffered from that, though. Like, I, I wonder if the Heyman promo would have been all right if there hadn't have been like three other 20 minute long talking segments on this show. But I felt like the first half of the promo, you could just throw in the garbage and nobody cared. And then, you know, when he turned around, when he, he acted like he was going to walk out and then he stops and he comes back and it's like, oh, now Paul's shooting from there on. I thought it was a good promo, but the first half of it, I, you could just kind of th- toss it in the trash and it was not needed whatsoever. Yeah, I had to actually go back and, and listen to the promo twice. You're right. I mean, this this was a long episode, especially with, you know, we had, what would you say, two? I, I thought maybe there was, there, I, thought, I know there was some other promos, but at least two long-winded promos earlier well, in I the mean, show. You had the Cena promo, you had the, the Rousey segment, then you had the Mizzy Awards. I mean, there was but, a lot of talking say, on you know, the show. And, but then you even had some other, like, you know, two, three minute ones that add up because I mean, they, you had Cena and then you follow that up immediately with gold dust getting extended mic time. Yep. And then there was uh, the, the backstage uh, Alexa bliss and Nia Jax segment, which right. felt like it went on for so with, with all the talking going on during this program, you know, first time through when we get to, you know, the, the end of the show, they were going into the extended run. And sometimes Paul, he's always great, but sometimes the the interviews they they sound the same. Yeah, very much. So, so. At, at this point, you know, I was I really was, you know, it's late here on the East Coast, you know, we're we're pushing eleven fifteen. I really just wanted the show to be over. So I, I went back and listened to it again, and, and you're exactly right. You know, it was almost like I don't know, maybe it was like planned that way. Is, is you know, the first half of that promo was creative in the back hands Paul a script he goes out there and does the best that he can with it and then it's like okay take two this is Paul coming to you for real right yeah and that, that's where business and that's where business picks up yep yep and that was very much the the impression that I got of the promo I, and it was it was a Paul Heyman promo I it, Paul is so good I that guy could could talk Eskimos into buying fucking ice that guy is so good he I, he can just sell a fight. He just knows the right things to say and the right cadence to use it in. And then Roman comes out and does the Roman thing. And again, it it was meant to feel like Roman was shooting with Paul Heyman. But this week I thought he felt way more scripted than he did last week. I thought last week's promo was much better than this week's on my, on my Roman reigns one to 10 scale. Well, I I completely agree with you. It almost seems like, they, they loosened the cuffs a little bit last week for him, and that, that went over pretty well. Uh, I don't really know if the message that he is that he's sending out is actually working, but the actual flow in, in which he delivered it last week, it, it seemed like it, it hit home a little more with the audience. So then, I'm, well, what I'm guessing is they're like, okay, that worked. Let's just recreate it this week 
you know, while he's face to face with Heyman. So now they're forcing another unnatural feeling. Yeah. Which I, I think came off on a sour note. You know, one thing I think I would do with Roman Reigns is I would take him off of TV for like two weeks. You know, you could come up with some reason that Roman Reigns isn't there for two consecutive weeks. And what I would do is I would actually send him with the SmackDown crew for two weeks and stick him in a car with Jimmy and Jay Uso and just have him do nothing but talk with the Usos for two weeks straight and learn how to cut a promo. Because every once in a while, you get that ooze coming out of Roman Reigns. I don't, it, it, it's just the accent and the delivery. It's exactly the same as the Usos. And the Usos are killing it on the microphone right now. Well, they're killing it because they get to be themselves. Where They're probably trying to force Roman to be that corporate that corporate shill, you know, that they envision. Yep. Hey, I'll, I'll even give it, I'll give, you know, some big props, you know, during SmackDown, they, and I'm sure they did on Raw, I just didn't pick up on it, but on SmackDown, I really noticed it. They're really hammering home, you know, this week's Mixed Match Challenge match. Uh, it was between Bliss and Braun and, and Uso and Naomi. And, and even there, you know, the Uso, you've, he's actually giving you a good promo. For the Mixed Match Challenge, you know, it actually, I, I actually will admit, you know, I was a little interested in the match because of his promo. I wasn't, I wasn't so interested that I actually watched it, but I, I was interested in it, you know, just for the time being. Well, and even the this Usos and New Day program, I Usos, of course, are carrying this program on the microphone because they're not doing the animated comedy stuff, you know. But it's something with the Usos, man, and it's. It's something in that Samoan accent that they just, the way they say no, just comes across so cool. And every once in a while, you hear it out of Roman. He had a couple of moments with this Paul Heyman promo that were really, really good. But overall, it just felt so scripted again. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Stevie Richards was mentioning this on Friday, on a Friday edition uh, over in the locker room at the Hami Media Group. The problem with, with what they're doing with Roman, and people are getting into it because, yeah, it's blurring those lines of reality. You know, as, as we've talked about, they're bringing in those elements. You know, what really is up with Braun? Does he really care? Does he have other things going on? But are you buying in Roman's actual message? I mean, why is he now all suddenly, you know, the defender of everyone? Why, what the hell does he care of all the, you know, the, for the people that have been crapping on him? And, and most certainly he's had his fans. He should be supporting them. But now it's like he is like the grand defender of the entire WWE universe. Couldn't you say the same thing about John Cena for the last 15 years? But John's always stuck with those guns, though. I mean, Roman's never he's never really presented that he's there for everyone. It's, hey, I am here. This is my I do this for myself. I do this to be the best. I do it for pride. Where John has always been. Hey, man, love her. Hate me. I'm your guy. We'll see. And now Roman is the guy. And, and I think that's been the story between last year's WrestleMania and this year's WrestleMania has been that official passing of the torch from John Cena to Roman Reigns to say Roman is now the guy. Or at least inside of the WWE narrative. I just don't. But they haven't they haven't presented that over all that time. It's just all of a sudden since last week. Hey, we need something to try to get some sympathy uh, to, you know, to get the people supporting Roman over here. 
it's again, you know, it's just that let's just do it as quick as we can booking style. There was no burn to this. There, there was no, they didn't, they had an opportunity to, to even really start hyping it up a little bit more when he was carrying the intercontinental championship. They didn't go overboard saying, you know what? He is a champion that is here to defend. There should have been a slow, a, they should have made more of an effort there with that slow burn. It did make, oh yeah, he's, he's a defending champ. They should have made more comparisons to that he is the champ that is here defending. You know what's hilarious is until you said that, I had absolutely 100% completely forgotten that Roman Reigns was the Intercontinental Champion. It doesn't even feel like that title reign existed. The most memorable thing of Roman Reigns' Intercontinental Championship run to me was his him carrying the belt over his shoulder and that controversy. That's hey, the only thing I remember about that reign. Hey, and they've known that this is going to be the match for, you know, since last year. They've, they've known it for how many years? This is eventually where they're building to. There should have been, you know, just subtle drops here and there to really hammer home. Roman wants to be, Roman is your fighting champion. And now it's the time where he wants to go grab your biggest prize and bring it home where it could be presented the way that a, a prestigious championship such as the Universal Championship should be. Speaking of prestigious championships, let's talk about uh, John Cena's road to Fastlane. I mean, WrestleMania, which means that he was on SmackDown this week. No, no, he was on Raw this week cutting a SmackDown go-home promo because WWE knows that a lot more people watch Raw than SmackDown. I'm quite sure that's why this happened. Uh, but, you know, of course, Cena cares so much about SmackDown that he, he shows up on Raw to cut the promo, and then he doesn't even show up on SmackDown. What? I, I Talk about damaging the brand split, man. This thing was just... And, and it wasn't even a good promo. Uh, it wasn't a good promo on Raw. The whole situation, even if... You know, if he's got scheduling conflict, he can't be at SmackDown. You know, we live in a great age of technology. Get him on the show somehow. You know, I asked you last put, week. Put one in the can uh, backstage Monday. Skype him in. I asked get, him on, you, get him on the program. I asked you last week, who's going to cut the go-home promo? Is it going to be Cena or is it going to be Styles? And the answer was nobody. Well, I Nobody guess. cut the go-home pro. So you had the Cena promo on Raw. Then you had the AJ Styles promo package vignette that I saw probably a half a dozen times between Raw and SmackDown. That was more of a go-home promo than the promo that AJ cut on SmackDown because the promo on SmackDown was in response to this shitty John Cena promo. We never got a go-home promo. Yeah, there, there, was, there wasn't that hard put the whole match over, put the competitors over, sell why AJ is still the best in the world kind of feeling. It was all in response to what John had said. And then, and then I don't even know what the complete cluster that was the end of SmackDown. Well, before we get to that, let's talk about the cluster that was raw. Cena is interrupted by of all people. Gold dust. Really? When was the last time Goldust was even in a match on Raw? Was it against sure, R-Truth? I'm, I'm sure that he's had, had one since then. 
But the last thing I really remember of any significance is when he was kind of playing that pawn in he's just a man between Bray and, and Finn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the, right. the last that's right. the last thing of you know that had any substance to it is he's just a man. And and I liked when, you know, he got that spot. He was he's that vet that could actually add to that program. And I don't want to completely knock that Goldust got this opportunity here. You love to see someone who's been a journeyman who has given so much to professional wrestling to get moments to shine like that. But I, I love Goldust, man. But it was just, this was this needed? You know, the promo left field, um, way out of, out of nowhere, and it's great. You know, he comes out, he can remind, he reminds you. Yes, I mean, this guy still has it. He can go out there and cut one hell of a promo. But is it necessary? Did it do anything? Did any was anyone? Really getting a feeling coming from that promo that holy shit, Goldust is going to score the upset of, of the century. Yeah, it's it's just very odd, odd timing. I mean, I I would have been all for it if Goldust had been built a little bit, but yeah, just odd. Uh, so let's let's talk about what the hell happened on SmackDown, which was basically the Fastlane main event minus John Cena, wasn't it? I it was yeah. a fatal five way. It, it was just. Minus it John was, Cena. It was the main event that we had up until last week. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we end up with Sami Zayn pinning Kevin Owens. Which to me, this this finish, you know what? Here's and where everything just really fell apart for me. It's when this when they said, "Hey, let's start the match now." I mean, it was in here in the Eastern Time. It was nine thirty-five. So we got twenty-five minutes of airtime. Way, way in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Maybe they're going to give us a nice one-on-one traditional SmackDown classic. But we know that's not going to happen, right? So then you figure, hey, we're going to go with a tag match. Then they kind of swerve you. We're going to have the four-corner match. Then they go with – and then that's when Shane McMahon comes out. We almost made it through an entire show without the black hole. And and the black hole comes out and devours the entire main event scene – and Shane McMahon, who is supposed to be the babyface in the Shane McMahon-Daniel Bryan program, I think, screws over your babyface champion yet again. Like, how many times does Shane McMahon have to fuck over AJ Styles until AJ Styles is like, Shane, if you keep it up, I'm going to kick your ass again. Like, I realize AJ's the babyface and you don't want to turn him heel, but God damn it, at a certain point, AJ's got to be like, Shane, knock it off. Well, I think Shane did cover himself a little bit. You know, it wasn't that he was taking shots at anyone. He, he even, you know, he kind of laid it out there that one thing him and Brian do agree with is always creating the most exciting, you know, possible scenarios. And that's what prompted him to announce uh, the five way. See, the problem is he's not taking shots at anyone, but every shot that he takes ends up hitting AJ Styles. That's the well, problem. I, I, but I guess, that, you know, in the logic, though, is when you do have the title, I mean, you do have the biggest target. You know, everything is going to revolve around you. I know, but it's just when you have a babyface champion and a babyface GM and every decision that the babyface GM makes screws over the babyface champion at a certain point, something's got to give here. I, 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 I see your point in a roundabout way. I just I don't think that's one of the it's, more pressing it's, it's issues. It's not that's even on their the, radar, but it's it, in, inside of your subconscious. 
He's, he, I mean, he, this is still the same Shane McMahon going back to last year that was screwing over AJ. Well, okay, I, I guess more. Uh, this is how. This is where I'll agree with you. This is how I guess it should be looked at. They do. They set it up as they want to create and provide the most intriguing matchups possible. But on the flip side of that, what you're kind of saying, if let me know if I'm right here, the correct mindset should be. If you do want to, you know, provide the most intriguing, most exciting matchups possible, you want your performers at their absolute best, which means you want your champion to be on his absolute A game so that when that big match does happen, when that big moment is there, it's, it's, it's much more impactful. You don't have a beaten down champion that has an out of why he might have potentially you know, gone down in defeat. You want him at his very best. You want the competitor at their very best. So they give you their absolute best. That's what's the most intriguing. That's the best product. I think of how many matches AJ Styles has had it just in 2018 that have been multiple people versus AJ Styles. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles. It's just, it's ridiculous. Can we- well, I th- I, I'll tell you what was actually which was a something that stood out to me. What you're talking about, multiple man matches. Dolph Ziggler pointed out in his promo during this segment, this blew me away. As long as he has been with WWE, all the WrestleMania he's been to, never he has had never had match. a singles match. He's always been lumped into that cluster of a, a match that we get every year. That, that, that was mind boggling to me. Well, I mean, that ranks right up there with the fact that the Usos have never performed at WrestleMania. They've performed on the pre-show, but they have never been on the main card of WrestleMania. And when I look at the SmackDown Tag Division, I'm not sure they will be this year either. Which is terrible. Dolph Ziggler and the Usos. We can't find spots for those guys at WrestleMania. And this is why CM Punk left. That is why CM Punk left right there. Now on to the actual match itself. I, I, compl- I did not understand. I, I think they, you know, we're talking about they gave away a potential payoff or a twist or a swerve, you know, with Steph- with Stephanie getting hers on Monday. I think they did it again right here with Sami Zayn getting the pin on Kevin Owens. Yep. Yep. You gave away a huge payoff in a in a storyline twist that you could have saved for a big moment at Fastlane. That, that's supposed to be your payoff event. So, so what was the point of that? What was the point of that last night? Do we now have officially like heel Sami Zayn and did this turn Kevin Owens? I mean, what 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 the hell? What is the situation going into Fastlane? I don't even know where the characters stand going into Fastlane. Right. Well, so after the after the show, after the match, we get the quick promo from Sammy, you know, where he puts himself over as as the best. And I guess now that I guess that was supposed to show us that he is willing to to go to to any length to get the job done. Why didn't the other four guys just jump in the ring and beat the shit out of him? Well, that's what I'm, especially when those two have been going around jumping you for weeks. Yeah. Like, why didn't the other four guys, I mean, even Kevin Owens, who just got screwed over, 
everybody, instead of just laying there on the outside, looking up, listening to Sammy talk, why didn't you jump in the ring and beat the shit out of him? It just, it didn't make any sense to me. Well, he was on his way out. The interview was on the ramp. So he, he, he was smart enough to take the pattern, got the hell out of there. The whole narrative just seems stupid. Well, just, then do it backstage. Just get the hell know, out of there. That's yeah. I get out of the arena. Uh, and then as you're running down the hall and, and even have, don't stop for the interview. Have the, you know, whoever's conducting it, hold the mic. Come on, come on, come with, with me, him. come with he's me. Going, he's going to the car. No. Not even come with me. The reporter's got to keep up because he knows he's got to get the hell out of there. He's already got his head and grab his bag and he's head to his car. I, I, yeah, I, it just it, the whole narrative just seems so sloppy. I can't wait for this show to be just over with. Well, and it, I think, you know, the real big payoff there would have been. Let Sammy give Kevin the win on SmackDown. Yeah. He so laid those, down two for it. Laugh, those two are laughing it up. This is what's going to happen, guys. We got the advantage. Not only do you guys have to worry about one of you pinning one of the other ones, you got to worry about me and Sammy getting alone where he's going to where I, he's he's going to let me pin him, and I'm going to walk out with this thing. And then you have at Fastlane, not saying that that Sammy gets the win like he did on SmackDown, but you have him screw over Kevin where Kevin doesn't get the win, where it backfires. <laughs> And then, because I, I assume, are we guessing now that they're going into a program again with with Kevin and Sammy? God, I hope not. It's so. It's way too soon for that. It's way too soon for that. Yeah, and you know, it's. I mean, it almost looks like they're teasing that. I guess there's still hope that they turn this around and maybe they do form a tag team. But Kevin versus Sammy again. They keep lining up some of these potential WrestleMania matches, and everything screams pre-show to me. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and now this one, th- this one didn't make SmackDown, but of course it's going to be at Fastlane. You asked me a couple of weeks ago, is WWE stupid enough to do Rusev versus Nakamura? Guess what the dark match was at SmackDown last night? Rusev versus Nakamura. Rick, how do you suppose the crowd reacted to this one? I was going to say, I haven't even seen his report, so man, I, I, was it at least 50-50? Rusev Day over huge. So pretty much no one, no one cared about Nakamura there. Uh, by the reports that I heard, it was at best case scenario sixty forty. I guess you the know, crowd we was confused. This. The crowd wants to cheer Rusev. The crowd wants to cheer Nakamura. Why are we trying to split the fan base here? And, and I'm sure they were that Nak was completely working. The baby. Yep. And, and Rusev, Rusev. Rusev was working the heel and yucking it up. And I guess it was basically a comedy match. Is that really the best match that you can have with Shinsuke Nakamura right now? Well, ho- hopefully they were using the comedy spot there so they can they can save what they really are going to bring to the table uh, for Fastlane. I think that if they actually approach us in a serious manner this could be one of those matches that we look back on and be like you know what that was a pleasant surprise we might it, it might be you know a head scratcher in still why are they doing this what is the, the you know the direction they're going with I, I think we're we're both still on the same page they need to turn nakamura this is going to be lay the groundwork there uh but that turn it it should not happen 
a full turn should not happen in that match. It needs to happen against AJ Styles in the build to their upcoming match. Well, hopeful upcoming match. And for the love of God, realize that Rusev is a baby face because I am so tired of having my intelligence insulted by this presentation of Rusev as the big bad heel when he is clearly over as a baby face at this point. There were Rusev Day chants at Manhattan Mayhem, the Ring of Honor show. Rusev Day chants at a Ring of Honor show. It's the entire act. You know, I, I want to lump English in there. He's over as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Every once in a while, you catch lightning in a bottle. Go with it. Don't fight it. God damn it. God damn it. You mentioned how hot it would be if these two were riding into WrestleMania right now as your SmackDown tag team champions. Oh, man. So let's uh, let, let's talk about uh, something else that was pretty hot, and that would be the Mizzy Awards blowing the Oscars out of the water. Out of the water. Uh, Miz, once again, just being the Miz. I mean, I got to admit, I cringed a little bit when I heard that they were going to do the Mizzy Awards and I knew this was going to be a long talking segment and he was just going to kind of shit all over everybody. But I was popping huge throughout this entire thing. Miz is just, he is working on another level right now. Why, why wasn't this over-promoted, over-advertised? Yeah. Why wasn't I hearing about this last week? Right, just the out first, of nowhere. The first I had heard about it, because I, admittedly I did not go to .com that afternoon to read the preview. Uh, you know, when we earlier had fil- or recorded the locker room, it wasn't available. So I heard about it a half hour before it went on the air. I mean, why? This is, this is the hottest act. On your show, you've got a tie-in with a major award show that happened the night before. This is the problem with their block booking. This this was terrible. It was the advertising, the promotion. Of this was terrible. The segment itself was the highlight of the show for me. Yeah, it, right? it was. It you was know, like popping like you, crazy, man. I I was popping when I saw the announcement. I knew it was going to be gold. I just I I I, I want to get on with this build to WrestleMania. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't expect what we got out of it. I figured this was going to be Miz patting himself on the back and giving himself in the Miz Taraj awards because that's normally how this thing goes. But I, I, I thought the packages were well put together. I was popping like mad when he was ripping all over Balor and Rollins. Oh, that's gonna say, I think that was, I mean, you, you know, my, my undying love and devotion towards Balor. Uh, I think that was my pop of you know the pop of the segment, the pop of the night, is when they had the first Universal Champion. I'm coming for it when I get back, and it's like, <laughs> well, in, in, in Balor's defense, <coughs> Balor has been saying that he wants that match for the better part of a year now, and nobody will give him the match. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he just keeps on doing what he's doing. Um, yeah, but yeah, I was popping huge. Even as a Balor fan, as a Rollins fan, I was popping huge. I, Miz is the voice of Vince McMahon. And if you want to know how Vince McMahon feels about Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, all you got to do is go back and watch that promo. It's all pretty summed up for you right there. And it's everything that everybody's been saying for months. Yeah, you know, uh, as, as much as we, we're kind of right now, we're a month away and we're 
we're down on the road to WrestleMania. This right here is something to look forward to. This is this, this is going to be my highlight hot, of the show. This is the hot program right here. Yep. Who walks out of Mania with the Intercontinental title? And I love again, you know, and even they're adding some different layers to this thing as well. You know, I, I love that they're hammering home that Miz is so close to becoming the the, the all time longest combined reigning Intercontinental Champion. They regularly remind you of that. Uh, they're starting, you know, it's just not about those two, you know, Rollins and, and Finn having a, dis, a dislike towards Miz. There's that one upmanship between those two. They're really building some heat between the three. I really enjoyed when Balor came out and Rollins is like, what's the deal, man? You just following me around? Yeah, I, I loved it. And then he's like, nope, I'm going to one up you. Yeah, and then and then he starts walking to the ring, and then Miz just give the guy a hacksaw, cuts off their freaking legs. Man, I, I still, I really, I really would love to see aside from Balor uh, to go really where he is actually pretty much just pissed off. I, I want to see maybe next week uh, Seth get one more stomp on him, and then Balor be like, you know what? Yes, it'll be. That's the third time you've done that to me. Do we get the demon uh, in a triple threat? Do we get the demon at Mania? At this point, I don't really see the need for it. I get the pageantry and the entrance at Mania. I, would, I wouldn't use it in this position. I would save it for, at Mania for another time. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like, you know, if, if it was Seth and Finn, I could justify the demon. If it was Miz and Finn, I could justify the demon. But in a triple threat setting, it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. Well, it uh, and it goes back to again. I would I'm not going to be surprised if they go with it because you know they want those grand spectacles. I don't know if we're going to have time for a demon entrance. You know, especially with what we're going to get with with Rousey, Angle, Stephanie, and Hunter. Uh, then if you add in Cena and Taker, I, I, they're, they're going to have to start cutting matches or whatever for all these entrances. I think Undertaker I, just started his walk to the ring. I just don't think that they they necessarily need the demon here. And let's be honest, the WWE they never really got what the demon. It's, I guess on you know when he got moved out of NXT, they so it got lost somewhere in transition. What the demon means uh, to Vince and Bucky, it's ooh, it's it's cool, it's fancy body paint and a grand entrance. Right. The character has remained the same. The move set is the same. There, there is no. You know, the intensity is still the same. There is no difference from the, you know, the, the prior incarnations of the demon that we've seen that separate the man and the demon. Yeah, I, I really wish that uh, Bucky and Vince would read uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Really wish they would do that because then maybe they would actually understand what the Finn Balor character was supposed to be. Uh, so uh, let's bounce over to the uh, Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. <laughs> Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex. Softer. Prettier. So I guess there's there's a couple of things to just kind of run through here when it comes to these shows. Because I didn't think any of this stuff was necessarily particularly good. Uh, let's let's uh, talk about this con- continued build here between Sasha and Bailey. Uh, I, I'm all for a slow burn, man. But uh, this thing is like, you, you know what a five-minute fuse is? 
when you light a cigarette and you just let the damn thing burn, that's how fucking slow this thing is going. Well, which, hey, a lot of people are saying, hey, they want this thing to, to be played out throughout the, you know, the, the spring into the summer. Well, yeah, I feel like this is the build to SummerSlam for these two. This is not the build to WrestleMania. Right. I, I think what we're getting, this is like preseason. This is the prelim. They're, they're teasing some things. I think they're, they're trying to get a feel from the audience of maybe, you know, which direction or they just want to leave it kind of up in the air. So the audience right now, they don't know what direction, you know, they're kind of going with. Hopefully, you know, no matter what match these two are involved in at WrestleMania, that's where we get, you know, it's set in, in concrete. You know, we've, we've got the ranchet boss back and she is going after our lovable, huggable Bailey. Kick it off there. That's fine. You know, it's, it's not all roads end at WrestleMania. Let's start one here. Let's let's start a great little hot program for the summer for these two. But let's let's bury this idea of Sasha versus Bailey at WrestleMania because it's too late. It's too late. There is not time to tell that story at this point. This is a build to SummerSlam at this point. This is in no way a build to Mania. They need to be involved in whatever multi-woman match they have going on. Uh, you know, I I have been set in that we might end up getting, you know, a four way for the raw women's championship, maybe a five way. They still might go in that direction. We've got the rumors out there of a potential battle Royal, whatever direction they go in here. I, I don't want to debate which, which ideas it is. Whatever direction they go, they, these two need to be a story within that match. And if it's not the raw women's championship, if it is some other kind of group match, they should be the main story of that. That's where we should really ignite this thing. Okay, it's on. The friendship is over. Where are we going forward with this? So uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I guess we might as well talk about Frankenstein. I feel like we're, we're telling the Frankenstein story with uh, Nia Jax here. Is that kind of where you're at, too? Big bad monster goes through, destroys the village, and then becomes humanized. That, that's where we're at. And this is their, this is their perfect PC movement. Uh, for for their evolution, their reach out, I, I can see Naya becoming that that front spokesperson for Be a Star. You know, she's going to be that. You're you're big, you're beautiful. It doesn't matter, you know, what shape you are, your education, where you come from. Look at me, blah blah blah, giant glam girl. Uh, it to me this it, it just it just reeks of uh, not even like lifetime movie it's like some mtv after school uh teen mom catfish fucking special i think we need to get uh naya jacks some professional help um because at this point uh she obviously has a multi-personality disorder uh when, when i just look at naya jacks is 2018 she she's went from uh uh the the the, the giggly school girl taking enzo chicken soup to the big bad monster, to now the poor girl who got bullied on the playground for being bigger than all the other kids. Uh, can can we just pick something and stick with it for more than a couple of weeks? No, I, and I think that's I think it. I actually think as much as I am not a fan of Naya, uh, and that that actually the reason I'm not a fan of her goes to you know what she actually brings to the table professionally. I just think it's complete garbage. I don't think she adds anything. But how they are actually building this story. How they're presenting her character, 
if you substitute anyone into the role but her, I think it actually works because that's what they want to go with. This is Naya that we get, we've gotten to know, and even through social media, she's one of these confused beings that, you know, she some she wants to embrace. I am this big, fierce competitor. I, I you know, I'm the meanest monster on the block, but but I'm also a delicate flower. I, I, sh- I should be cherished and and prized over my beauty as well. That's what we're getting from her. That and that's from you know, for all intents and purposes, that's kind of who she is. Uh, then we have the Alexa Bliss involvement. Of course, uh, Alexa kind of playing the mean girl here who who's trying to console her friend and absolutely destroy her emotionally at the same time. Uh, what did you think of Alexa's involvement on this show? I think it, it, I think it held great to her character. Yeah, I, know, it, it was just, but it was just kind of a throwaway week for the champ. She did nothing... Really, I really the, I I thought the best part of uh, Alexa's performance this week was her watching the Nia Jackson Oscar match, and then her her look of concern after the match when she realized, damn it, Oscar is still coming for me. Then the other thing I took out of this was Oscar's gonna feel sorry for Nia Jax, and then challenge Charlotte, so that Nia Jax can finally get it at Alexa Bliss. That's where I feel like this is going, and it's freaking pathetic uh i I don't think we're going to get the she feels sorry angle i I don't think we're going to get that at all i mean and and i hope you're wrong here because that would just be completely pathetic i took it more as what does oscar really have to prove you know she took down who you know who who is quote unquote to her biggest meanest competitor possible on raw Uh, i guess now you know, the next thing is she wants she wants the, the queen. She wants the alpha in the division to prove that she is actually the best there. But, you know, flipping over that other side, man, what scares me is that they're already booking an out for Charlotte here because it looks like we're going to get a love interest story between her and Bobby Roode. Yep. Uh, here, here was my other problem uh, in, in my last tangent about Asuka versus Nia Jax. Rick, who is the uh, current biggest star on the WWE roster, who's supposed to sell a whole bunch of tickets for WrestleMania? Is there one? Well, doesn't, I mean, don't they just present it as the brand does it themselves. Well, I mean, ideally, it's supposed to be Ronda Rousey, right? Right. Uh, how does Ronda Rousey win all of her fights? With a fucking with arm bar. Right. With a yeah. And they buried the arm bar in this fucking match. How long was Nia Jax in an arm bar in this match? This is as bad as Asuka using the freaking ankle lock the same night that Kurt Angle comes back. This is just stupid. Why, if all the moves on the face of the planet, why are we burying the arm bar right now when that's Ronda Rousey's go-to move? Because they didn't look at it from that viewpoint. They didn't look, well, it, Maybe more so not even bearing the arm bar, they're bearing Asuka's arm bar. But they're not they didn't look at it from that angle because that match was not about getting Asuka to move on beyond any, you know, maybe beyond the raw women's division so she can go challenge Charlotte. It wasn't about getting her beyond Nia Jax. That entire match was about getting sympathy put on Nia so they can transition into this uh this big glam girl spot that they're gonna do. Because the commentary just completely just forgot that she's actually been blindsiding people for a month, uh, that she has been this just, just heartless SOB of a monster. 
they, they were just absolutely hammering home to a point where it was sickening the courage and, and the intestinal fortitude of Nia Jax to hang in there so long. Very disappointed that, in Milwaukee. That was their message. I was very disappointed in the Milwaukee crowd for buying into that crap and actually giving Nia Jax a ovation at the end of that match instead of just seeing through it and realizing what in the hell was going on there. Hey, that was spe- disappointing. Spoon feeding the Mark shit, and as you said, you know, it goes back to what, what's your point with Shane, where it's not even it's not even afterthought. They don't even realize it. Right. Exactly, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Uh, so let's talk about uh, your precious Shar Shar and Ruby Riot uh, coming up at Fastlane on Sunday. Uh, did they build this program for you at all? Like that might have been the most confusing opening segment to SmackDown I've ever seen. Uh, again, I, I've said it as we've been talking about it. it I, you know, I love me some Shar Shar. She's one of the few talents that when you know that I approach the product, I am actually a fan of hers. I get invested as a fan. I, I want to see her succeed. I, I, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm popping. I, I'm rooting for her. They've actually they have pulled the rug out from under me here. I have no interest in this program. It, this is complete filler. I'm just waiting till you know after this match ends if we see Asuka or Monday or Tuesday when we actually get moving forward on the road to WrestleMania with these women's championship matches. And the only thing that I thought was worse than the Charlotte and uh, Ruby Riot awkward promo segment that just ended when Bobby Roode came out for no apparent reason. I mean, Charlotte's was okay. It was, uh, it Ru- was just, Ruby was so forced. It, it just seemed so robotic. Again, you know, people don't talk like that. You've got Charlotte three on one Bobby Roode's music hits and everybody just disappears. Like Chris Angel showed up. Bobby, I now know what glorious is. It's magic. The women's division just disappears when Bobby Roode shows up. Well, and, and, it, and then you got, um, you know, immediately you've got Charlotte just, I mean, she's blushing. Her face goes completely red. Uh, she, she's got her hand up over, over her heart. Um, you know, oh, Lordy, Lordy. I mean, she, she's absolutely smitten here. Bobby, uh, Roode, so Bobby Roode's becoming public enemy number one of uh, RBV here. Well, and it, they've been kind of laying the groundwork for this with uh, their interaction on the Mixed Match Challenge. I mean, she gave him a really, really over-the-top hug during their first victory. Uh, they're up again next week. We'll see what kind of development we get there. You know, my issue here with it is... The build I, to I, WrestleMania is building a love storyline for Charlotte well, Flair. I think that might be an under an underlining story, which gives you... Which to me, it it lessens a potential feud between her and Asuka going into WrestleMania, which to me, that, that is your money match there for the women's division. Uh, that's going to lessen that because it gives her an out. Maybe she's distracted. I don't think we really get that any kind of love angle until after Mania, but we're going to maybe get a build to it. Or they could go the other way where you're 100% correct. You know, Asuka goes after Bliss. Which pretty much leaves a SmackDown Women's Championship, I mean, completely out in the cold. And this is what we have Charlotte Flair doing on the road to WrestleMania. This is what we have Bobby Roode, one of the top performers in your company, tied up with right now. Uh, this is complete garbage to me. And we've already seen there was a time in the past, and I guess there, there still is a place 
for these love storylines in wrestling. But we know so much about these performers. It, those, it's something that it has to really blur the lines. And it's probably more suited for undercard talent, not your premier performers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we have uh, Becky versus Carmella. And now we now know that it's going to be Becky and Naomi versus Carmella and Natty at Fastlane. Uh, the Naomi and Natty promo. I, if you want to, if people wonder what we mean when we say buzzwords, just go watch that promo. My God, I, it was every buzzword inside of the company all within about 20 seconds. My God, it was just God awful. Uh, speaking of awful things with promos, we said when it started, the Snapchat filter words popping up on the screen, 1966 Batman shit. Stop it. It's awful. Please, God, stop it. Uh, then let's talk about the uh, undercard programs here. We've got Elias and Braun. We had the the the, the mega death match from hell. Uh, don't care. U.S. title picture. Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal, once again, going over Randy Orton. Don't care. Then we got the tag titles. The Bar. Don't care. Usos versus Newsday. I've seen it a hundred times. I just don't care. Pretty much sums it up. Uh, I, what's really interesting here, the only thing that's somewhat interesting is where the hell are they going with Elias and Braun? I mean, what are the plans for these two? You got two overacts that seem to just kind of be floating in limbo right now because they're not really sure what direction. They really don't have a plan for them. The one thing that, that intrigues me out of all these stories right now is does Jinder Mahal get added to the U.S. title match at Fastlane? And if so, which social media outlet are we going to announce it on? I, because what? it's just ridiculous. We had a two-hour show, and you couldn't even have Shane McMahon be like, we're going to add you to this match on Sunday. He, he was already hitting the Twitter machine uh, post-Smackdown. Yeah. Uh, and so why know, didn't you just do it on the show? Just do it on the fucking show. Unless they're saving, saving him for the WrestleMania match, but... It's just, it just seems stupid. again, you know, it's go coming into these pay-per-views like elimination chamber and fast lane. The intrigue should be, okay, what's the spin going to be here to, to get me to this exciting WrestleMania match. Now it's the feeling of, all right, what's the spin going to be down for another letdown at WrestleMania? Yeah. Anything else that you wanted to comment on when it comes to WWE this week? I think we covered it all, man. As I said, you know, we, we've got some exciting topics coming up here. I'm much more invested and involved in those. WWE, you have set the standard where you are on cruise control right now. So I don't know why you should expect any more from the WWE universe. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's break down New Japan real fast, and then we'll uh, kick it over to a break, and then we'll talk some Ring of Honor. Uh, New Japan Cup starts uh, this Friday, the 9th, and it concludes on Wednesday, the 21st. Of course, whoever wins this tournament will be entitled to a championship match against Kazuchika Okada. I guess so. To let, to let everyone know the format, this is a single elimination, correct? Yep, single elimination tournament. Uh, so here are all of the competitors uh, for this tournament. You have Bad Luck Fale. Chucky e. T, it's his first time in the tournament. You have Davy Boy Smith Jr., 
Hiroshi Tanahashi making his grand return. Uh, He has won the tournament twice, but lost in the first round the last three years. Of course, we haven't seen Tanahashi since he was beaten by Suzuki for the Intercontinental title. Uh, I saw a picture of him yesterday on Twitter, and he looks great. He looks ready to go. Uh, Then we have Juice Robinson. Kota Ibushi is going to be in this tournament. It's his second appearance inside of the New Japan Cup, uh, but he won his previous and only appearance in 2015. We have Lance Archer, who's never made it out of the first round. This is his fourth time. We have Michael Elgin, Sonata, Tai Chi, his first time in the tournament. Uh, Naito, Ishii, Toro Yano, Yoshihashi, who is another one, never made it out of the first round, but this is his fifth time in here. Uh, the, the Tokyo pimp, Yujiro Takahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. Pretty good field this year, man. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, one thing that kind of jumps out to me, uh, kind of running through the names here again, real quick, uh, especially for the Western fans, uh, you know, maybe not really the over the top familiar names, but only, only two bullet club members participating in this thing and not to say that's you know is a major significant issue but you know just for the western fans uh, you you might have expected one of the the major players to be involved there well i think it's just that roh is so focused on this bullet club storyline right now that i mean that that bullet club storyline is still advancing so new japan's just like well we're just gonna go with this and throw in a couple of the ogs uh, I think uh, another one here. Uh, who was who's the former Intercontinental Champion coming in? Hiroshi Tanahashi. All right, we got Tanahashi. I think you could have an intriguing, you know, comeback story here. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see if Tanahashi makes it out of the first round. He's my pick to win the whole damn thing. Well, I think you know that's what's so great about that. You know, you got he's been to the promised land before but has recently struggled. And now he, you know, he's coming back from a very devastating loss. And uh, a devastating the, injury. That's what, I, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying on the, you know, on that it was much more than just taking an L. I mean, he seriously, he took a beating. Yeah. Uh, so you've got that first round, that great matchup, dude, this is a major obstacle. This is a huge hurdle for you to overcome. But once you get over that, you know, is the sky the limit for you? Is is this your redemption story? Well, and I'm intrigued because Hiroshi Tanahashi is booked to take on Tai Chi in the first round. This is Tai Chi's first uh, New Japan Cup. He's mm. actually a junior heavyweight. So I'm very curious to see how this goes, what they're, what they're going to do here with uh, Tanahashi versus Tai Chi. If we're going to try to make Tai Chi, because Tai Chi is a part of Suzuki-gun. And of course, Suzuki is the one who took Tanahashi out. So it's going to be, there's a lot of dynamics inside of that match and how it's all going to work together. Uh, A couple other first round highlights. You have Michael Elgin taking on Tomohiro Ishii, which is going to be one hell of a physical match. Uh, Then you have Chucky T versus Sonata, which will be, talk about character work. The two opposite ends of the emotional spectrum. You have Chucky T, who is basically the male version of Bailey. And then you have Sonata, who very, very rarely even speaks. I was going to say it's probably going to be a great dynamic for the opening round match, but I mean, you got to believe Sonata's probably going to just end up wiping the floor with him, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely what I assume. Uh, then you have uh, probably the most interesting first round matchup is Naito versus Zack Saber Jr. T- talk about a show stealer. 
Holy crap. Definitely want to see that one. And then uh, if everything would kind of go the right way and uh, NATO would win that match, you have a potential match of the year candidate going down March 15th in the second round when Kota Ibushi would take on Tetsuya Naito. That's a match I want to see. I was going to say, I, I think anyone, you know, from the, the diehard such as yourself to someone like me that is probably more of the casual that is starting to pick up steam with New Japan. I mean, this is this is one of those matches. This is a must see. This is something that you're, you're salivating over. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like that's one that it, if Naito beats Zack Sabre Jr., which is not a guarantee in any way, shape or form. But if Naito beats Zack Sabre Jr. and we end up with Ibushi versus Naito, I am just going to put that on my match of the year candidate list before the match even happens because I know it's going to be that good. It's going to be that good. Uh, Rick, any anything else that you wanted to comment on when it comes to the world of professional wrestling outside of Ring of Honor? Well, I know, uh, I know we're heading into the break. We've got a, a little bit of a... Uh, a, a shift of how we usually pre- present the show at this time. So, Jarker, why don't you go ahead and explain to everybody what we've got going on. So, basically, this is what's going to happen. We're going to toss it over to a break. When we come back, you are going to hear our Hameen Media reopen. So, basically, what will happen here is the second half of this show will be released as well on the Hameen Media platform as the Ring of Honor 16th anniversary hype show. This is happening because we have a very, very special interview with one Mr. Shane Taylor of uh, Ring of Honor. He, he joined me for about a half hour yesterday. We have a great interview. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. And uh, we want to get out a 16th anniversary show across as many platforms as we possibly can. And, uh, and hopefully get some hype up for this show. Cause I think this is going to be a really, really good show. Rick nods in approval. Oh, I thought you were good. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we'll just go with that. Rick nods with approval. So here's a tune. I don't know what it's going to be yet because I never know what I'm going to play until I, I don't. actually no, I do know this is get hyped by discrepancies. We'll be right back. Keep up. 
What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to this very special simulcast of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast and Hameen Media Preview Show. RBV and I are here to break down this amazing Ring of Honor 16th anniversary show coming to us this Friday night on pay-per-view and now available on ROHWrestling.com's Honor Club streaming service emanating live from Sam's Town in Las Vegas, Nevada. I, of course, am the man of a thousand and four names, but you can call me Jargo. RBV, welcome back to your show and welcome back to the locker room. Hey, back at it again. Man, we've got an exciting show lined up here. You know, we're going to be talking Ring of Honor's big 16th anniversary. Man, you really think about that. I mean, that takes us all the way back 2002. Actually, they were founded February 23rd of 2002. And, and you look at, you know, how the world of professional wrestling has changed since then. A promotion, a company like Ring of Honor, you know, some ups and downs. We, we've seen some new ownership. we We've seen them. We've seen expansion. We've seen them pull it back a little bit. Man, it has been such an amazing journey and unbelievable that they're to this point right here. And not even just to this point, that it seems like, you know, it's just the sky is the limit when we're talking Ring of Honor. Speaking of the sky being the limit, we also have a very, very special guest. For this ROH 16th anniversary hype show, I, of course, am am talking about the notorious Mr. Shane Taylor joined me for about a half hour yesterday. We sat down. We talked a bit about his career as well as Ring of Honor being their 16th anniversary. We talked the Hung Bucks. We talked SoCal Uncensored. We talked Bad Luck Fale. We talked Bully Ray Dudley. There's so much great stuff. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview. Well, you know, I'm going to say O-H-I-O. You know, Mr. Taylor, he he is a fellow uh, Ohio boy, brother of mine. And let me tell all the listeners out there, I mean, you want to keep an eye out for this individual. Uh, such a hot commodity, an incredible talent. And as much as the Cleveland Browns would have you believe otherwise, champions reside and come from right here in the heartland, right here in Ohio. I mean, really studying him, where he's going, you are right. The sky is the limit. And I I can't wait to get into that interview you had with him. He is uh, coming for the ROH TV title, which is currently held by Kenny King. But I absolutely expect at Supercard of Honor, Silas Young is going to re-invoke his rematch clause. And let me tell you what, if I'm Silas Young and I hear this interview... I think I might just throw that match because in Shane Taylor's own personal words, Silas Young has a very punchable face. And I don't think I want to be on the end of that right hand. Let's ask Keith Lee about that. But uh, let's let's talk about the ROH 16th anniversary show. Uh, we, We have some breaking news that actually literally 
just broke when we hit the record button. We have a huge Women of Honor match added to this show. It's going to be part of the tournament. And we're talking, of course, Tanel Dashwood, formerly known as Emma, taking on who we are now dubbing the American treasure, Brandy Rhodes. I am pumped for this match of all the matches inside the Women of Honor tournament. Rick, this is the one I cannot wait to see. Well, I'm going to say, you know, this is our, this is added. We've, we've already got on the pre-show, we've got another Women of Honor match. You know, we've got some of the fine talents from, is it from Shine? Stardom. From Stardom that are going to be, you know, working for this live crowd here. Then you add this in here. I mean, this, these are two household names, you know, in, in the, within the world of professional wrestling. Uh, this is a pretty big marquee, a great pool for Ring of Honor, uh, already adding to a and to a stat card, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing goes down. Uh, I mean, they've got, you know, you've got a lot riding here with Brandy Rhodes. She has the crossover appeal. Uh, she, she's she been busting her butt in that ring. She's been showing improvements. But, I mean, is it going to be enough to, you know, to take down a true professional one of the, the masters, the master technicians inside that ring in Dashwood? Yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued in how this match is going to go um, because when I first saw these brackets announced, I thought, oh my God, they are going to put Brandy Rhodes over in this entire tournament. And then once Tanel Dashwood was announced and I saw that she was on the same side of the bracket as uh, Brandy Rhodes, eh, I could see some benefit to having Tanel Dashwood in the finals. So I'm not really sure how this match is going to go. Hey, it, no matter the outcome here, I could see these two be a formidable force together moving forward. I would really uh, this, like to this, see that. This has money written all over it. Uh, maybe they do some tie-ins, you know, with some bullet bullet club stuff. Maybe a couple cameos on being the elite. You've got two of the most beautiful women in, in not just wrestling, just from around the world here. I, I think they could have something unique, something special going forward. But I do have to agree with you. I, I think Dashwood is your money going forward. Have her go all the way to the finals. I'm still, I'm going to put my money on Dashwood versus Klein in the finals. I think that would be just a tremendous outing. See, and right now, as things stand, unless I hear that Dashwood has actually signed a contract with Ring of Honor rather than being paid on a per appearance deal, I'm going with uh, your, your your girl there versus Brandy. In, in the finals, Miss Klein, so you're versus, going Klein. Klein versus Rhodes. All, all kind of depending on the uh, Tanel Dashwood contract situation. So uh, let, let's talk about the matches that we did have announced for this show coming into the recording session. Uh, we have, I, this is kind of how I just assume the card is going to lay itself out. Uh, yeah, no, look, looking at the run here, I, I would pretty much have to agree with you. It, they usually have, you know, it's, you know, much like New Japan. There's like a rhyme or reason how they do things in Ring of Honor. Yep, yep. It's normally done very logically. I, I expect they're going to kick the show off with, with a program that doesn't really have any kind of creative to it. It's going to be your dot, 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 dive. Holy shit, did they just do that? Welcome to Ring of Honor match. Uh, and of course, when I say welcome to Ring of Honor, you know, Flip Gordon it has to be involved in the match. It's going to be Flip Gordon taking on the Los Ingobernables member 
Hiromu Takahashi, hopefully accompanied by Daryl and Carol Takahashi, which are his stuffed cats, if you don't know. Uh, so Flip Gordon versus Hiromu. I expect this match is going to be... Please just keep it on the hard camera because there is going to be so much action going on in this match that if, if you try to go into individual camera shots, you're going to miss something. Yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those. This is this is why the indie crowd is there. This is going to this is get them buzzing to get the crowd upped and hyped. Uh, we're, we're probably going to get a little blend here, right? As well, by maybe some energy. You know, the comedy spots, I see, I would say. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, anytime Hiromu is involved in a match, there is definitely an outlet for comedy. Uh, the, the thing I am probably the most intrigued here, I absolutely expect Flip Gordon to win this match. With, with, with Hiromu just being the New Japan guy coming in for the match. I absolutely expect Flip to win the match. What, especially is, is you kind of how we would expect this card to kind of lay itself out. Uh, you know what, make sure you, you get the home the home kid over, you get that nice little Popeye home. And I don't mean he's from Vegas, but uh, the ring of honor talent over. Uh, you get that nice little pop. You get that good buzz going throughout throughout the audience. If you are not a regular New Japan Pro Wrestling watcher, you need to see this match. You need to see Hiromu Takahashi, and you need to see this guy work because he is something else. He is quickly gaining on Tyler Breeze on my favorite wrestler list. This guy is just incredible. And his character work, as far as playing somebody who is completely batshit crazy, I'm not even sure that he's playing a character at this point. I think Hiromu Takahashi might actually just be batshit crazy. Uh, speaking of guys that are batshit crazy, we have the Briscoes taking on the Motor City Machine Guns, the defending champions for the ROH Tag Team Championships. Uh, Rick, it ain't personal. It's just business. And the Briscoe's coming for these titles. Well, you know, if it's if it's just business, I would hate to see it when these guys get personal with someone. Yep. Yeah, it's it's personal against everybody. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, you know, if this is just how they handle their business, uh, make sure you, that you really don't push the envelope and, and truly, truly piss these guys off. Uh, the Briscoe's they are back to doing what they do best. They are just absolutely vicious right now. Uh, they are bloodthirsty. As you said, though, it is business. They want the championships back. You, you almost got a feel for the guns here, but, you know, we have seen them in just, you know, in the last week or so, they're starting to show a little backbone. They still have some fight in them. They still are that tag team that was regarded at one time as the very best in the world. I got a feeling, you know, they're, they're going to bring it together. They realize what they're up against, but they know their strengths. They're going to have a great game plan. This is going to be, I think this is going to be a fun match for, for all wrestling fans, you know, for if, no matter what style you like, I think you're going to get a little bit of it here. Yep. Yep. And, uh, in talking with, uh, Shane Taylor, uh, he actually just recently had a match with Jay Briscoe and, uh, we were talking about it and Shane Taylor said, you know, there's not too many guys that can match his intensity. Jay Briscoe's one of them. It, man, they, Jay Briscoe is just functioning ever since he had that ROH world title run. It's like Jay Briscoe figured out something on the stick and he is cutting some of the best promos in all of professional wrestling. Well, that, you know, it's that promo he cut ahead. when he said uh, the, the, it, the problem is people forgot promo is one of the best promos I've heard in probably five years. 
I think it really it comes down to you hear this time and time again from you know if you if you really what you can, if you really love professional wrestling and you want to get an understanding you know you you learn with your ears instead of what you see and when you hear people that have been there that have seen true success they'll constantly tell you you're you're constantly learning it's a step by step but then you get to a point where someone really believes in you gives you that opportunity and then it clicks for you and that's what happened with him during that championship run it all came together it was almost of you know like he finally really understood how this game worked and he's been at another level since then yeah yeah jay briscoe is one dude i just would not want to mess with i would not want to mess with that guy uh that, then we have they're not calling it a fight without well, I was, honor I, oh. I was gonna say that before, you know, before we jump out of there i mean where do you see this thing ended Oh, I think the Briscoes are taking these titles. I absolutely think the Briscoes are taking these I'm, titles. I am on the other end of the spectrum here, then, from you. Really? Uh, I th- I think I I think the the machine guns are really gonna feel it here. This is this is gonna be a bad night for them. But I think they survive with with their titles. I don't think you by any by any means we consider it a victory. It's gonna be a survival for them. I I don't it, but. I think it's just going to make the Briscoes more more bloodthirsty, more hungry to get after them, and we're going to see this thing continue. So what? You get a beat down after the match, and that leads to Briscoes versus Machine Guns again at Supercard of Honor. Is that kind of what you're thinking? That that's where I'm going, and I think there we're we're going to be we're going to be treated to a to a very special kind of high stake setup between these two. Yeah, because there, there's already two. Uh, street fights, grudge matches on this show, and I could absolutely see the Machine Guns and the Briscoes having uh, some some sort of a street fight in New Orleans. I could very easily see that happening. Uh, the, then we have, they're not calling it a fight without honor, but they are calling it a grudge match. Uh, this is going to be Cody versus Matt Taven for the Ring of Honor. It's it's not an official stake because it's not an official championship, but we all know this is Cody coming to get his ring back. But I'm very curious to see how this thing is going to go down. Who is going to be supporting Kenny? Is anybody going to be supporting Kenny? Because you know the kingdom is going to be united. Hey, uh, for, before we actually jump into the match, I want to get your opinion on this, though. Uh, Taven, get a little heat from some of the sparks out there in the uh, internet wrestling community. You know, he recently, during an interview, I I personally loved what he had to say. You know, he had the at the right attitude. He stood up for his promotion, uh, but pretty much came out and said that NXT is nothing more than Ring of Honor light. Did you pick up on this story? I did pick up on the story, and when I look at the NXT roster, it's kind of hard to dispute, really. Well, you, you, you know, so many defenders of the NXT product, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's jealous that, that they don't want him there. WWE has the production. They, they've made these guys into bigger stars. You know, to, to me, shit all over that. The only thing that really holds true that you can argue for NXT is, yeah, they've got, they've got the backing of, of the WWE, where, which actually puts more importance on, you know, that wrestling aspect. Uh, Sinclair could buy WWE five, ten times over, but right. you know, to them, you know, Ring of Honor is it's that great. It's content filler. That it's it's a great product to have on your shelf there. Yep. Yep. 
It's it's, it's almost like an investment property for Sinclair well, Broadcasting. But even even in that sense, though, even dealing with that Ring of Honor itself, man, it has grown substantially uh, just here in the, in the last couple of years. It's some of the absolute best freaking wrestling. It's one of the best products you're going to get out there. Now, and I know they, they get a lot of, you know, you know, get a lot of downside from their production. Personally, I love it. I kind of like that, you know, that throwback, gritty kind of feel to the product. It's got that EC dub kind of feel to it, you know, where you're not in the giant arenas and everything doesn't necessarily look pristine. I like my pro wrestling a little bit dirty, you know. Hey, I just, hey I've been to both shows. I, I love going to an NXT event, but still for my money to really get that feel that traditional feel that that little bit of gritty would to me what pro wrestling should be it's hard to beat the ring of honor experience but you know it's also one of those things where we have talked about on the show before where ring of honor was down there for a little bit but you know ring of honor has reloaded and and that's what ring of honor has done now for 16 years how many times have we thought roh was going to be dead in the water because they lost so and so Oh, so-and-so moved on to the WWE. Oh, they lost Brian Danielson. Oh, they lost Samoa Joe. Oh, Tyler Black is gone. Well, that's what you do as a, as a, as a great franchise in their position. Yep. They give people opportunities, and they just got to seize them. Now I guess we can actually get into the match. <laughs> so Cody versus Matt Taven for the Ring of Honor. How do you think this thing's going to play out? I, I, I'm very intrigued where this is on the card. I, of course, have this as the first Bullet Club match on the show, which I think is important because, you know, Marty Skrull has a match coming up later that he's getting ready for. The Young Bucks have a match coming up later that they're getting ready for. Hangman, on down the line. And Taven's going to have some henchmen for, you know. Of course, he'll have the kingdom. He's got the kingdom there. So, you know, Cody's going to be facing the numbers here. If I'm if I'm laying out this card, I agree with you 100%. I think the best for storytelling purposes is to have this go first because it's, you know, where are the other Bullet Club members? You know, they've got their other matches. They've got big matches on the lot, you know, on this show. They've got a lot at stake themselves. They really can't be overly involved in what Cody has going on but you would think, but you would think though, going into this, Cody shouldn't just be assuming, especially since he's been left hanging in over the last couple of weeks, where you know they weren't at the arena or you know such and such uh, circumstances come about. Cody's got to be thinking ahead here, doesn't he? He's yeah, he's got to have a trick up his sleeve. He has to. There has to be some kind of trick here. Uh, he, here's what I'm intrigued by is does this match just go down and like, you know, the bucks come out with Cody or something, or does this end up being where Cody goes over with the help of the bullet club, but in order to do so, Marty takes a beating and then Marty loses later on in the night and the bucks take a beating and the bucks lose later on in the night. And so all of a sudden in helping Cody get back his pretend championship, Marty Skrull has lost being number one contender and the Hung Bucks have lost their world six-man tag team titles. But Cody's got the ring of honor. Bullet Club is fine. When I think what you, and you really, how you twist that, I, I love the direction you're going there. I think that is a hell of a story. And, and to add to it, 
you know, what the, the really, we always get a cocky Cody, but it's been a little overbearing as of, as of late. So I could even see him where you got scroll and the hung bucks, you know, really upset over this, but Cody doesn't even acknowledge it almost like, you know, he's almost blind to it because in the, the end result is that he's still on top. Exactly. And that's the key. He, he doesn't even acknowledge and that's even worse than, you know, him coming out and saying, you know, man, it sucks that this happened and almost trying to be apologetic for it. What really puts it over the top is that he is, like I said, completely blind to what he happened, to what he caused. He got his championship back that he made for himself that nobody else observes. And that's all that Cody is concerned with is making himself look good. That's the story I would tell. Hey, even to further this a little bit more to, you know, throw some more salt in the wounds of, you know, potential of a scroll in the hung bucks. If Brandy also goes over and you've got Cody and, you know, his, his precious wife, the roads stand tall, but bullet club is down right where, you know, it, that, that follow up episode of being the elite kind of becomes about them, man. You've got some real heat building there. Yeah, I think that I think that's some good stuff. I think that's some good stuff. Uh, Punishment Martinez takes on Marty Skrull. This is a, a for a future shot at the ROH World Title. They're not calling it a number one contenders match, but it's basically a number one contenders match. Um, I originally had kind of wanted Marty to win this match, but with the creative that I just laid out for you with uh, Cody, I kind of want Punishment Martinez to win this thing now. Like I said, I absolutely love the creative direction that you kind of pitched there. Uh, but even before that, I was more leaning towards Martinez. And, and that character is so it, it's so warped and wicked, man. It's just one of those it's one of those traditionally cool, you know, character like I you just can't help but kind of you're drawn to it but creeped out by it. Yeah. Yeah. Really like what punishment Martinez is doing right now. He really seems like he has gotten that lock on that character, that switch that we were talking about that Jay Briscoe found punishments getting real damn close to it. Real well, and close. I, and I'll tell you why I really give him, I'm not, I'm not knocking Marty's character work right now. I know the villain is one of the hottest acts in all professional wrestling. The, I mean, the praise that is coming in, you know, from absolute legends, for the mark, the work that that Marty's putting in is unbelievable. But you know, sometimes you book for the setting, and you've got a Supercard of Honor down there, WrestleMania weekend, going head to head against NXT. You're in that New Orleans area, man. That Punishment Martinez character down there in Voodoo Country, man, it oh, just yeah. speaks to me. Yeah, it, it just screams the set. It's the perfect setting, uh, and then you know, in it's the exact opposite it's like that yin and yang it's so different it's the perfect complement for for castle and what he brings for that show i'm also a little afraid of marty's position inside of ring of honor right now because this is one of those things would you rather be champion or would you rather be over because the marty skrull character does not need a championship marty skrull is over and he might be so over that he just doesn't need a title at this point, which is not a bad place to be. But sometimes, you know, yeah, it would be nice if Marty was champ, but he doesn't need it. And I think with, you know, with all the other dynamics going on, it just doesn't really, it doesn't fit the mold right now. Yeah. And, just, and Marty and Marty is so good with his hands in, 
in so many other areas. Yep. Yep. Bullet clubs back. All right. He can truly, I mean, Marty's one of those guys you can have out there and he can juggle three or four things and he's over with all of them. Yep. Yep. Uh, that, then we have the hung bucks versus SoCal uncensored in a Vegas street fight. This is where, uh, I want to throw over to the Shane Taylor interview. We talk a bit about this match, of course, because he has been a, uh, a vital part of this program. Uh, in his attacks on uh, Hangman Page, his attacks on Marty Skrull, of course, everything going on with the uh, the Young Bucks. So we 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 explore some possibilities of uh, potential coming out of this uh, SoCal Uncensored versus Hung Bucks. Uh, if there's going to be any ramifications for Bullet Club, we talk about Keith Lee. You know what? I'm not even going to tell you what we talk about anymore. I'm just going to let you hear it. Enjoy the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming at this time from the mean streets of East Cleveland, Ohio, but coming to us by the way of the heart of Texas, you may know him as former two-time Wildcat Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, as a former VIP Tag Team Champion, as one half of the Pretty Boy Killers, well, formerly one half of the Pretty Boy Killers, as the enforcer of The Rebellion. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about the problem solver of Ring of Honor, notorious Shane Taylor. Mr. Taylor, thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me a little bit here about uh, ring of honors upcoming 16th anniversary show thank you for having me that was a hell of an introduction i appreciate that i i, I do my homework man i do my homework uh i see research uh, uh before we jump into some of the uh, current event stuff uh why don't we get folks uh who may not be too familiar with your body of work uh, a little bit more familiar i understand that you were a collegiate wrestler uh where did you go mm-hmm. to school at I went to a school just outside of Pittsburgh uh, in a town called Slippery Rock. I went to Slippery Rock University. It's a D2 school. Um, I wrestled there and uh, was an academic All-American there. So, you know, I'm not I'm not just a dumb jock. I, uh, pretty, I'm a pretty smart guy. Um, and, um, yeah, man, had, I had a great time. Uh, college was a blast. Um, and ultimately – you know, got what got what I needed from there and knew that uh, the nine to five cubicle life was not for me. Uh, so uh, I decided to put everything I had into chasing my dreams and my passion. And uh, 10 years later, here we are. How long have you been watching pro wrestling ever since you were a little kid? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, growing up, uh, that used to be the thing in, in our family. We They would order the pay-per-views. Not not all of them. But, you know, because we were uh, we're pretty broke, but the ones we 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 would probably watch three or four a year and we would all get together like, you know, all the households would come together and and have like a big uh, wrestling party. So uh, to watch those was really cool. And then uh, what what solidified it for me was when my dad took me to uh, the Richfield Coliseum. And I want to say it was like maybe 93, uh, something like that. Um, and I watched Carrie Von Erich against the warlord. Um, and I know when most people say like, what got them into wrestling? You think Ric Flair, you think Hulk Hogan, you think all these guys, but no, Carrie Von Erich versus the warlord was the match that like once I, they went to a double count out and the place absolutely just went 
bonkers. People were throwing stuff and the whole, like, I, I just sat there as a kid and I couldn't throw anything because my dad would beat my ass. But he was, uh, like, I, I just looked and saw, I was like, man, nobody knows these guys. And look at the reaction that, that they're getting out of these people. Like, I want to do, I want to do that. Whatever they're doing is what I want to do. So, um, that's, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, inspirational story. That's awesome, man. I know you were, uh, you were trained by J rock and, uh, Raymond mm-hmm. Rowe of a uh, war machine. How did you meet those mm-hmm. guys? Uh, Ray, I actually met, uh, when I was in high school, our schools wrestled each other. Uh, he went to St. Ignatius in, in Cleveland and one of the private schools there, you know, their athletics are top notch. Uh, and I, I, I met him in a tournament, um, and I happened to, you know, to to go that route. He won. You know, I, I was sick that day. So it is what it is. Um, and uh, yeah. And then like a few years later, once I left college, uh, I was messaging J-Rock because I was going back to the Cleveland area. I was living in Pittsburgh at the time and just trying to figure out, you know, I, I had been to a few independent shows, uh, the International Wrestling Cartel out out that way. And I knew him and Ray Rowe were uh, were on that. Um, so after just sort of like reaching out and then linking up, um, they saw that um, I was coachable and that I was a pretty decent guy. And so uh, so they agreed to sort of bring me in. I tell you what, man, if high school wrestling out there has got guys like you and Raymond Rowe, I'm happy that I grew up in Illinois because uh, I ain't messing with all that. Man, the Midwest, like Ohio, PA, like we produce some of the best wrestlers in the country. Like I've beaten state champions from like, and I've ne- I never won states in in Ohio, and I smashed state champions from other states. From Vermont, killed them. From Texas, killed them. Florida, killed them. Like so, the guys that we have in Ohio, it, 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 it's a whole nother level. Well, now I, I you debuted in two thousand and seven. Uh, obviously yes. with the, uh, collegiate wrestling background, how long were you training before you debuted? Uh, I want to say about six to eight months, uh, maybe a year. Um, and that was just, you know, just getting down the conditioning and, um, it, it's, it's pretty much hand in hand the way amateur wrestling and pro and pro wrestling go together. Uh, but for me, it was more just figuring out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to bring uh, to professional wrestling. Everybody wants to be an amateur wrestler and do all that stuff. And while I had, while I had and do have the skill set, I wanted to be different. You know, um, I appreciate everything that comes with that. But to me, a punch in the mouth is way more exciting than a you know than a fireman's carry. So. Um, that's that's what I really wanted to focus on with my striking and and take advantage of the fact that I've been boxing since I was five years old. So um, really wanted to incorporate things like that. Well, that explains the uh, the stiff right hand. We'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about your stiff right hand here here, here in a second. Yeah. Uh, one, one other thing I wanted to talk about before we got it a little bit into some current events is what's going on inside of Ring of Honor. Uh, we have a lot mm-hmm. of close friends currently that are working with uh, the Stevie Richards Fitness Program, and I wanted to ask you about your transformation. Uh, your weight loss since I first saw your work has been incredible. In a recent interview, I read uh, that you were down from three eighty five to 315 
on a quest to get into that 275, 280 range. Uh, how's that going for you? And that what changed? Was it just, was it diet? Was it something that you changed in your training? Was it just a, a philosophy change? How, how do you uh, go about well, that kind of drastic transformation? Right. Uh, first off, shout out to Stevie Richards, you know, awesome guy. Anything he does, people should fully support because he's an amazing individual. Uh, secondly, yeah, man. Um, and 385 was when I started to weigh myself. So I, I had lost a little bit of weight before that. So I have no idea where I actually started. Uh, but um, it, it's been a comma. It's been a combination of a lot of things, uh, changing my my diet, um, going with different styles of training in the gym, uh, focusing less on heavy weight and then just kind of doing more uh, uh, lighter weights with, with, with a faster pace and less break to kind of maintain that 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 sort of cardio while I while I lift um, and and then there's there's a sub there's a supplement that I take uh, that I'm going to talk about uh, pretty soon um, that I I just partnered with a group called Red Rocket Sports Science um, and uh, one of the fat burners that they have along with everything else that I've been doing is a uh, is a big key to help to helping me keep the weight off and for me losing it in, in the first place. So. Um, that I'll get to at at a later point, uh, probably this month, once we announce all that. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's just been you know a uh, lot lot of changes and a lot of hard work, and really more just uh, me knowing that I, I only have so long to do this. We 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 all do. Uh, so I wanted to make sure uh, that I use my time to uh, to its fullest. You know, and anything that I can do to extend my career, then I will. Well, it's absolutely paying off for you, man. And it's it's evidently been paying off in some more uh, TV time as well. Some higher ups have been taking notice as well. Uh, let's get in a little bit to your Ring of Honor career. Uh, you, you debuted with Ring of Honor in uh, 2015, but actually signed with Ring of Honor in January of 2017. So you've been with the company for a little over a year now. Uh, when mm -hmm. you first burst on the scene, you were uh, a part of the tag team division. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not ask, uh, would you like to address what happened at VIP Wrestling in Dallas uh, Sunday night with your longtime tag partner, Keith Lee? <laughs> I mean, the tape speaks for itself and my words speak for themselves. You know, like, like I said then, we were on a mission to change this business and change the world together, to conquer the world together. And while uh, I'm very happy that he got, you know, the the uh, the notoriety and, and the fame and all the success that he did, you know, people act like he did it by himself. People just like just like the way people act like Jordan won six rings by himself. You know, he didn't. Like if it wasn't for Scotty. Jordan wouldn't be Jordan. He would just be another guy, you know, and for as great as Keith Lee is, people need to understand and not just other wrestlers, but other promoters, other talent, other, other fans. Everybody needs to know that the reason he gets to be limitless is because I'm the one taking care of everything else. You know, he gets to shine because I'm making sure that everybody else is laid out. I'm doing the dirty work. He gets to be, 
you know, he gets to be the hero, you know, in, in today's era of social media and, and flash and instant gratification, that's what people are drawn to, you know, three pointers, dunks, you know, home runs, all of that. I am line up in the I formation, five yards of carry, you know, move the chains. It's going to be a grind, but it's, it's effective. That's me, you know? So I just wanted, you know, I wanted to let him know that it wasn't appreciated and let the world know that when he's ready and he's at his best, we're going to fight and I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to prove my point. It was, uh, quite the statement. It was quite the statement. Uh, as I, as I said earlier, you've really been picking up some steam here, uh, in the singles division now. Um, and I, I know that you have your eyes currently set on the ring of honor TV title, uh, the last I knew, that is currently around the waist of your former rebellion brother, Kenny King. Uh, how, how is the relationship between uh, you and Kenny these days? Is it just business, or uh, is there maybe a couple of scores to settle uh, left over from the rebellion as well? There's, I have no problem with Kenny King. Uh, Kenny King is like a big brother to me, uh, the same way that Raymond Rowe is. Um, he has looked out for me since I've been in, in ROH. He took me into the rebellion. You know, he recruited me himself. He's he's done nothing but, you know, give me advice, you know, in Ring of Honor outside of, of ROH as far as, you know, training and branding and, and things of that sort. Um, so there's no animosity there, but we are both highly competitive individuals. And you know, if there's anybody that's going to get my 100% game, it's going to be Kenny King because not only do I want to prove that all of the time he spent help helping me wasn't in vain, but I also want what he has, which is that Ring of Honor TV title. Um, he's been able to do some great things and, and become a household name, um, you know, not just with wrestling, but with, you know, TV in general. Uh, so when it comes to that, there's really nothing left you know, to be said, except when we know that we have to square up, it's, you know, lace them up tight because we're about to go to war. Of course, I assume uh, Silas Young will also be uh, invoking his rematch clause soon, uh, potentially at Supercard of Honor. Uh, do mm. you have any preference who would take the title at that time? Who would you would prefer to face uh, for the ROH TV title? Uh, it, it would depend on the mood that I was in that day. I, I guess if I was pissed off, I, I guess I would want to rather take my frustration out on, on Silas Young. And he's got a very punchable face. Um, and But if I was looking to go out there and, and steal the show and make a statement, um, then it would be Kenny King. You know, both guys are incredible talents. Uh, there's a reason that they are, they are both, you know, that they've both been champion. Um, and my next goal is to show that... Uh, that I belong in that conversation and that I belong um, in, in that picture, uh, not only that title picture, but every title picture, uh, whether that's the ROH world title or the tag titles or the six man titles, it doesn't matter. Um, I want it all in ring of honor. And I, and I want to be uh, one of those guys that you can look back, you know, when I'm done and go, he accomplished everything. And that's what I want to be. 
I'm curious, uh, I, I, in looking at some of your recent matches, I, I saw that you've been working with, with legends like Jay Briscoe. Uh, recently, you worked with uh, Hiroki Goto of New Japan at the uh, Toronto Global Wars show. Uh, that, that's got to be a different level of competition. What's it, what's it like working with legends like that? What do you learn from working with a legend like that? You learn exactly what you just said, that there's different levels to this game. Um, when I was in there with Jay Briscoe, there's very few people that match or exceed my intensity, but he's one of them. And you know when you, when, when you sign on the dotted line for that match what you're, what you're going to get and what to expect. And he's every bit as tough as he says he is and that he's shown for the last 15 years in Ring of Honor. Um, he, he, his, his motor doesn't stop. The dude can take a hell of a beating and he can dish one out. So, um, guys that bring that sort of street fight slugfest mentality out of me are, while it hurts like hell, you know, those are the matches that I enjoy because I know that I'm getting their best. There's no, you know, there's no fanciness. There's no, you know, there's no finesse. It's just straight up, you know. Let, let's stand here and go toe-to-toe and see who the better man is. And that's, and that's a lot of the same with Hiro Gigoto as well. You know, um, but even more so with, with him, he has the ability to absorb so much punishment and continue to keep going. It, and that's, that can sort of get in your head as you're fighting him because you're giving this man everything you got and he's just moving forward. Like, <laughs> so uh, it, it's trying to figure out either A, a way to put him out early or a way to conserve energy enough and sustain an attack that's going to keep him down. But um, not too many people have figured out how to do that. No, not too many. Not too many. I'm, I'm a big New Japan fan. And, and when I saw this Hiroki Goto versus Shane, I have to see this. This is going to be a fight. Man, mm-hmm. was it a fight. If you haven't seen that match, ladies and gentlemen, look that one up. Global Wars in Toronto fantastic match uh so so let's talk a little bit about friday night it's coming to us from sam's town in las vegas nevada it's ring of honor 16th anniversary show available on pay-per-view and ring of honor's new streaming service honor club uh you can find more information on that by visiting rohwrestling.com uh number one uh, I the way this in interview actually came about is I had emailed Joe Coff because uh, as a Sinclair employee myself, I was curious, is there any sort of employee discount, you know, for, for Honor Club, you know, hook a brother up. Do, do you guys get right. a hook up you, on Honor Club? You would think, right? But you I would don't think. Know. You I would mean, think. Like, like I was, I, I think I had already signed up for the site and I think, and I think that's sort of its own thing. So I kind of got, you know, grease through but that that's a good point to bring up i'd i would uh bring bring that up at the next meeting yeah yeah why don't don't you do that for me get back to me on that one see 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 if you know we can get a a hookup here at hameen media uh so what does it mean to you to be part of such a historic event as the 16th anniversary of ring of honor pro wrestling i mean it's it's absolutely it's absolutely humbling it's incredible when you think about uh, wrestling companies in general, how difficult it is for them to not only get started, but to stick around. Um, and then even less can flourish and then even less can do it for five years or 10 years or 15 years. You know, you have a company now, uh, like ring of honor that 
has done that and produced star after star after star, and they're only getting bigger. They continue to grow. They continue to add pieces. They continue to uh, transform themselves uh, every year. You know, whether guys come in or guys leave, uh, there is no drop off of talent. There is no drop off of, of performance. Um, it, it, it it's incredible. It's kind of like, and as much as I hate to say it, when you watch a team like the Patriots, that no matter who they have, they're just kind of always good all the time. And uh, and that's what Ring of Honor does. And and to be a part of the 16th anniversary of this company, um, it it it's cliche to say it's a dream come true, but it really is. R- Ring of Honor doesn't rebuild. Ring of Honor reloads, and I think Shane Taylor is a is a fine example of that. Uh, let's Absolutely. let's let's talk a little bit about your involvement here, leading up to the uh, 16th anniversary. Uh, since the rebellion split, you've had a a a bit of a change of attitude some would say and 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 you've been involved a bit here with this socal uncensored versus the hung bucks feud uh what what exactly is the relationship between shane taylor and socal uncensored that's very simple there is no relationship between socal uncensored and shane and shane taylor this is a business deal between myself and Scorpio Sky and Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, you know, um, I've made no bones about it over the last few months. If guys are willing to pay me what I want, I'll be willing to take out their opponents for them or, you know, uh, do what needs to be done um, in order to help them advance their agenda. Now, Christopher Daniels being one of the smartest guys in the business, as he likes to say, um, he understands the numbers game. He understands uh, that it is imperative that you have a game plan. Uh, and when you look at guys like like the Bullet Club, they have the numbers. So it would only make sense for him to um, sort of try to even the odds as much as much, much as he can, or stack the deck in his favor. That's where I come in. Um, you know, he had his match with Hangman Page. Hangman Page got the win, but it wasn't about just that night. You know, it's not just about the battle. It's about the war. And if their goals are those titles, then um, he's going to want uh, his opponents to be less than 100 percent going into that match. So uh, after I rock Paige in his jaw and put him to sleep, I'd say uh, I earned my money. I, I, I would say that you have. Uh, and, and this also goes back. Uh, I, I also remember you uh, taking out one Mr. Marty Skrull. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. on behalf of uh, SoCal Uncensored. And then, of course, on uh, last week's uh, Ring of Honor TV, uh, you and one Mr. Bully Ray seem to uh, uh, share a bit of a moment on on mm-hmm. your way to the back after the uh, Christopher Daniels and uh, Adam Page match. Uh, d- do you have anything to say to uh, one Mr. Bully Ray going into 16th anniversary? Do I have anything to say to Bully Ray? Uh, listen, I I respect Bully Ray for everything he's done and for who he is. Um, but at the same time, I'm not one of the guys that he's used to being in the locker rooms with. I'm not one of the guys that he's used to intimidating. I'm not one of the guys that he's used to looking down to. Uh, 
And my advice to him would be to do what he's doing, stay in his lane, and we won't have any problems. But, you know, I'm not really the guy to test when it comes to stuff like that. And uh, if he's if he's in better health, he should want to keep that. Uh, in looking at your body of work, I think there's uh, one match that really stands out to me right now as a Shane Taylor dream match for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I, I should have revealed this to you earlier. I'm I'm actually a Bullet Club guy. Too sweet. <laughs> um, but but you know there, there, there's. There's one match out there that I think I would absolutely love to see, given your your current issues with Bullet Club. Uh, mm. How how about can we get Bad Luck Fale versus Shane Taylor? I would love to see that match. That is my Shane Taylor dream match right now. Listen, I'm a fan of Fale. You know, like like I said, I watch and I study tape. And one of the things that I've been doing, kind of my my whole life, is gathering game plans for guys that, you know, I I may end up in the ring with at some point. And I feel like it's just a matter of time before I'm in the ring with, with, with Fale somewhere. Uh, And as far as, you know, as far as I, I see it, he's the baddest man that new Japan has to offer, you know? Uh, And I would like to say the same thing about myself here in ring of honor. So, I feel like it's it's uh I, I I feel like there's the the two paths are gonna cross at some point. It's just a matter of when, uh, and any time you know I'll I'll let them know right 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 now. Fale, Tama, Tonga Loa, let your boy know. Any of the young bucks or any of the other Bullet Club want to throw this his way. I'm down to throw hands anytime you are, big man. So. We'll, so we'll see. I would gladly pay 999 yen to see that fight. <laughs> uh, so, so after an action-packed first year in Ring of Honor, uh, Shane, what is the goal for 2018? And when we have this same conversation one year from now, what are we going to be talking about going into Ring of Honor's 17th anniversary? We're going to talk about the fact that 2018 was a year that was dominated by Shane Taylor. It was a year in which I broke out from the pack. It was a year in which I stepped up onto a worldwide stage and proved that Shane Taylor belongs in the same conversation with the guys like Jay Briscoe, with guys like Jay Lethal, uh, with Dalton Castles, with all the main event players that we have in Ring of Honor. Um, my entire athletic life, I've been a starter. I, I, I don't... I don't sit on anybody's bench. I don't ride anybody's sideline. That's not who I am. I'm a big game player, um, and I, I'm a big shot maker and a big shot taker. So um, I, I've always been of the mindset that I need to be in the game. Uh, that's that's how I learn. That's how I get better. That's how I improve. And if you want me to hit home runs for you, I can't do it from the bench. I have to play. Uh, so. Um, that's going to be my focus in 2018 is putting myself in position to get put in the game. And when I get put in the game to make sure uh, without a shadow of a doubt that I deliver each and every single time. 
I, I have one more question. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask. In looking back at some names throughout your past, I'm seeing names like EC3, Adam mm-hmm. Cole, Raymond Rowe, mm-hmm. Steve Carino, rumors of Keith Lee. Is there any interest at some point in making a move to WWE, NXT, or is Ring of Honor where you really want to be going forward to establish the legacy of Shane Taylor? I have said from the gate since I walked into those doors that I would love to be a Ring of Honor lifer like a Jay Briscoe, like a Mark Briscoe. Um, I would love to be the guy that for the next 15 years can carry this company on my back and improve to the world that uh, that that world class talent uh, is what Ring of Honor is all about. Nothing would make me happier than to be able to do that um, now. Business wise, you know, anything can happen. You know, it is what it is. That's 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 the industry. But um, as far as I'm concerned, I I love being in ring in Ring of Honor. I love the schedule it allows me me to have. I love the time with my family that I'm able to have, uh, and I make a good living. Um, So as far as I'm, I'm concerned, man, I was a poor kid from Cleveland. I'm already I'm good. You know. Um, but with that being said, um, with guys that I know like EC3, like, like Ray Monroe, it would be really cool to be on one of those, you know, crazy stages, you know, fighting him and just to think back like, man, you know, this is where we're at now versus, you know, 2007, you know, so, you know, never say never. You, you you have no idea what this life or what this business is going to bring to you tomorrow. Uh, and while I look forward to uh, on on some sort of worldwide stage or international stage, uh, getting in there with Raymond Rowe again, um, we'll see. You know, but right now I'm happy in ROH. Uh, Shane, how do people get in touch with you via social media, online, for bookings, anything that you would like to plug or put over at this time? Fantastic. Uh, I just want to thank you guys again for all the love and support. Um, Twitter and Instagram at Shane216Taylor. Please give me a follow there. Uh, Also, uh, if you want to buy some merchandise, it'd be greatly appreciated. Please go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Shane Taylor putting up brand new designs all the time. So go check those out. Um, Also, if you're a big fan of ROH or you just want to support me, um, there's a I have a T-shirt in the ROH Pro Shop as well. ROHWrestling.com. Go to the merch section and pick up my Knockouts for Everybody T-shirt. Would truly appreciate that. Um, And again, I just want to thank you guys again um, for for, for bookings, you know, uh, please email NotoriousShane uh, at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, and I just want to thank you guys for an incredible 10 years so, so far, and I'm looking forward to the next 10. Catch Mr. Shane Taylor this Friday night on pay-per-view and at ROHWrestling.com. Sign up for the Honor Club. Catch him at the 16th anniversary this Friday night at Sam's Town, Las Vegas, Nevada. Shane, thank you very much for joining us. 
Thank you for having me. So, Rick, what do you think? Are we going hung bucks or are we going SoCal uncensored? Uh, even before the interview, even before the interview, I thought SoCal was going over. And now after the interview, I am convinced SoCal uncensored is going over in this program. Yeah, I, I want to say first, you know, hat tip to you. You know, you, hey, you knew the questions to ask. You knew where to go with it. Uh, props to you, my friend. Great interview. But hey, man. Well, hey, what an incredible personality there with Shane Taylor. Yeah, I'm really sorry that we couldn't get you on the call. We had some technical issues with uh, inside of the Skype machine with contact requests and using mobile apps and Windows and Apples. And so we could only have one of us on the call. I'm really sorry that you missed out on that, man. But, uh, you know, we, we, we did talk a little bit off air. Uh, maybe that bad luck Fale versus Shane Taylor match happens. Maybe it happens at all in. And, uh, me and you, we're going to go out and we're going to go out drinking with uh, Shane Taylor. How's that sound to you? Hey, you know, that, that's perfect to me. I was just glad you know, that we were able to, to get through the issues we had, uh, secure, the, secure the interview, get it in the can. Man, and, and now we've, we've got a great new friend of the show. Uh, and and I, like I said before, this guy, man, he's got some talent. Great dude. He, he's going to be a big player. And he, and he very well could be a, a huge deciding factor in this street fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly where my brain went. It was like, man, you know, yeah, it's three on three. And yeah, there's some other Bullet Club guys there. But Shane Taylor shows up. She, I'm Man, I'm telling you, Shane Taylor versus the Young Bucks. My money's on Shane Taylor. And, and, is, and, you know, is there, and there's so much going on within this anniversary show. There's, there's so many storylines that, that are twined together. Uh, developments layering on top of one another. It really is hard to tell what direction they're going to go here. But like you know, like we we're saying, the Hung Bucks they might be spent by the time they get to their own match. Well, and I think the other aspect of this story is it's just better business with this SoCal Uncensored versus Ring of Honor story that's going on here. If they take these titles, well, I, you know, I think you know, coming in here, uh, Mr. Koff, the head of Ring of Honor, he has appointed Bully Ray the enforcer of ring of honor. Uh, essentially he is filling an authority figure role here, but he's made it quite clear that when he was hired, the objective and the target was SoCal uncensored. Uh, they've been going back with management. They they've wanted to leave. They wanted to destroy ring of honor. So in turn, you know, ring of honor management said, you know what, why we have you locked down, we are going to make, you know, we're going to make your life's here pure hell. And they've, they've been pretty successful at that up to this point. Man, I can't think of a more fitting you know, turn and a big middle finger back at Ring of Honor management than SoCal and Censored to walk away here with this gold. Uh, speaking of Bully Ray, if Bully Ray would like to uh, join the show and uh, address uh, Mr. Shane Taylor and uh, what he had to say about Bully Ray, uh, you know, about how he should just stay in his lane and stay out of uh, Shane Taylor's way. Uh, Bully Ray, you know, you, you can feel free, man. Call me up. We'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. If you would like to address uh, that, that issue. Uh, let's talk about Dalton Castle versus Jay Lethal for the ROH World Championship. Rick, I, I, I really want Jay Lethal to turn heel. I really want Jay Lethal to take this title off of Dalton Castle and be the heel champion, be the face of Ring of Honor. I just don't think it's happening. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that they they are set. 
on continuing with this castle experiment. Uh, I know it, it really gets to you as a true Ring of Honor purist to see them shift a bit more towards the sports entertainment aspect. Uh, but again, I'm going to go back. I just think it fits the setting a little more in New Orleans, down in the Bayou of Louisiana. The pageantry uh, of it. That punishment versus castle, the meeting of those characters. It, it just it that vibe does something for me for Supercard. Uh, but I, I, even if Dalton retains here, I hope that they're, you know, that the big one of the big stories coming out of this show is that we've got a transformation from Jay Lethal. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you though, if that is the case, uh, Castle he gets out of here with his championship. Where do you see Lethal going? I mean, what is next for him? I want to see Evil Jay Lethal versus Marty Skrull. Marty, you turned me into this. You wanted it. You wanted heel Jay Lethal. Well, you're gonna get it because we've been saying forever now. Marty's playing the villain, but is over as a babyface like crazy. A babyface Marty Skrull versus a true heel Jay Lethal. Basically the exact opposite of what we had at Final Battle. I think that's the program I want to see going forward for the summer. Well, I, I can get down with that 100%. I, I, I like your vision there. You know, after this, this... I guess I won't want to say like humiliating defeat, but I mean a very rough loss for lethal who again was so close to the ring of honor championship finally at his breaking point. Then maybe we see like an unprovoked, uh, a blind side uh, on scroll where it's, you know what you did this, you wanted it. You're going to be the first to pay for this. Yep. That's, that's the story I want to see. That's the J lethal. I want to see. Absolutely. And, and I think Marty is the kind of character that could just relish in it. Like, yes, I have broken Jay Lethal. And I, now that I have broken your mind and your spirit, I'm going to actually break Jay Lethal. I could even see like going another direction there with Marty because he's, like we were saying, he, he's a juggler. He can handle so many different things, present himself in some different fashions. I, I wouldn't even mind like if he gets to a point where he even realizes like, uh-oh, what did I do? And maybe on a couple of like the being the elite episodes where we got a little side story where Marty's a little paranoid about, about lethal showing up at it anywhere to attack him like that again. Oh, I would love to see that. And, 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 you know, have everybody just telling Marty, Marty, you're paranoid, Marty, you're paranoid. But then every episode you actually see Jay lethal or you get there some kind yeah, or Something that is like so over the top where you know it's like meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Marty's like he's like they're cutting. He's out in public. Uh, like they're sitting in a booth and one booth over there happens to be a, a bald black guy. And Marty just goes over and starts attacking him. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, it's just, just some random bald black guy. Unfortunately, one of those bald black guys is Shane Taylor and he just destroys Marty's girl. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I know, I know it would pop you, you know, just it, the, bald back, the, the bald black guy is uh, LeVar Ball. Oh, <laughs> yes. Chicken wing me some LeVar Ball. Chicken wing on LeVar Ball. There uh, we go. Rick, anything else that you wanted to comment on when it comes to ROH's 16th anniversary? Uh, Ring of Honor, take my $120. Uh, and I and I hope in doing so that you are happy knowing 
that you have most likely taken money out of one Vincent K. McMahon's pocket. In the immortal words of Scott Hall, one more for the good guys. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Whoa, my email just opened up. Uh, That's going to do it for this week's episode. Rick and I will be back this weekend with a 16th anniversary review show, as well as your official WWE Fastlane preview, both here at Hameen Media and at Hitting the Marks. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. Be sure that you visit our friends Michael and Ryan over at TheGorillaPosition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. And of course, of course, Join RBV, myself, and OneWrestling.com's own Big Ray Hernandez this Monday over in the locker room at HackerHameen.Podbean.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how does the notorious one find you? Pro Wrestling tweets from the seat over on Twitter at the real RBV. We're picking up steam, baby. No pun intended there. And as always, hey, we've got another big week lined up over on Facebook in the Hameen Media Discussion Group. You know, of course, we've, we've got Ring of Honor. We've got New Japan. We've got, we've got Impact going down. We're going to have live thread for that. And as always, uh, the, the big one on Sunday for WWE Fastlane, the live discussion. We've got the Pick'em Challenge. So many, so many awesome interactive threads picking up for the weekend. Go make sure you want to check us out and, and join in on all the conversation. That's it for the simulcast. Rick and I will be back this weekend. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy.
she was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. <laughs> Violet!